Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, March 6th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Guten Tag. And returning from the Emerald City, Miss Stephanie Cook. Hello. Stephanie is back in the house, and she's going to regale us with tales of Emerald City. Uh, And then later on, of course, we're going to do our book of the week. Uh, We'll talk some news, which includes a lot of news that came out of Emerald City Comic Con. And uh, some other news movie. We've got Iron Man 3 trailer to talk about. Some uh, Justice League movie rumors to speak about. And then we'll also obviously do some listener feedback. Uh, But starting off, Stephanie, you've been gone? I have. Uh, You were at the Emerald City Comic Con. Tell us about that experience. Um, Well, first of all, for anyone who hasn't been to this show before, it's in Seattle. And it's hands down my favorite North American convention. Um, And yes, that is a bold statement. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's just such an incredible show. It actually doubled in size from like last year to this year, which are the two times I've attended it. And, um, they had like two artist alleys and it was just not overwhelming in the sense of, um, kind of, there were a lot of people there, but it's just overwhelming because there's a lot to see and do. Um, but there was just so such a great guest list and such a great vibe and, I swear, their fans are some of the best. We also had, like, kilt count, apparently. like what was the, in- Wait, the kilt as in Scottish kilts? Yeah, people okay. wear kilts. In um, Seattle generally or just this convention? No, seriously. I've never seen, like, kilts really been being worn in public like they are in Seattle. <laughs> um, our booth mates, Nick Salmon and uh, Zach Kinsella, who do a comic called Midspace, um, we basically started a tally on our table and kept like little scratchy notes of how many kilts we saw. And I believe the final tally was 53. Wow. That's amazing. We were, ho- we were hoping to hit a hundred and we were going to give it a prize, but we didn't. Um, Do you have pictures that we can put up on the site? You know, best yeah. kilt. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, Zach took some photos and he took a photo of the best kilt. So I'll see if I can find it and post it up. But this show is just, Oh, it's so great. Um, and I don't usually buy like the souvenirs or the exclusives that come out of this show, but Emerald City does this amazing thing where they have a book called Monsters and Dames, and basically it's pinups of, well, Monsters, Monsters and, and Dames. Dames, and it's done by, um, you can submit pieces, so there's like a really cool mix of really famous artists and then kind of low-key artists, and um, I was just happy to buy it and check it out. Um, because it's awesome. And like the covers by Bruce Tim, there's Ben Temple Smith's Ooh. art in there, Camilla mm. DeErico, Scotty Young, all kinds of people. And as I was buying in, chatting with the guy, he's like, you know, all this goes to charity, right? Oh, and I was like, what? <laughs> That's so cool. And 
I think in the year I've been doing what I do, I've never actually asked anyone for an autograph for myself. Mm. I just kind of avoid doing that because I feel weird. But it's basically like a yearbook. So I went around and got all these people to sign my book. I'm like, hey, you signed my yearbook. <laughs> and I felt like I was back in high school. <laughs> so that happened. That's pretty awesome. How was your summer? <laughs> yeah. Have a um, great summer. Yeah. <laughs> there was a few people that were like joking about it. I think like Ray Fox was like, I'll miss you in homeroom and <laughs> all kinds of things. So, but it's really cool. I got um, some really cool sketches. People would just start drawing it and I'm like, you didn't have to do that. They're like, oh, oh, well, <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not going to say no. Sure. So Jeff Lemire did a little sweet tooth sketch for me. And nice. Terry Dodson did a da. Yeah, it was, it's pretty. I'll take a picture of it because it's so nice. Yeah. So Emerald City is basically the best. Do you Seriously, have any, uh, any other kind of personal highlights from the con? Um, let's see. The DC All Access panel was really cool. Um, again, I won't really say anything too much about it because we're going to touch on a few things, I believe, mm -hmm. yes. from that later. But um, that was really neat. And just kind of... The people who I got to meet Bruce Tim. Oh, nice! Yeah, that was like, uh, and to be fair, it wasn't like the greatest experience ever because I was kind of like, "Hey, I'm Stephanie," and like, I work with like Bill, and I went to like shake his hand, and he just gave me like this horrified look, <laughs> and I was like, "Um," <laughs> and he just kept looking at me weirdly, like I had like punched him in the face or something, and then he would finally like raise his hand and was like, "I'm sick," and I'm like, "Oh." Aw. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you, but okay. <laughs> so, I don't know. It was still really cool to meet him, though. So, And there was yeah. nobody in front of his booth. So I was just like, <gasps> I'm going to go stare at you for a while. Oh, yeah. I wonder why he was creeped out. <laughs> I didn't actually do that, Bobby. Yeah. God. Is that me just standing across the other booth just staring at you? <laughs> I'll be over in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was pretty cool. And, uh... Yeah, I had like just I got to meet a lot of really great people and it's probably the best show for that I would think cuz everyone's so friendly and mm -hmm. well except for Bruce Tim. But <laughs> well, he was sick. <laughs> Give him a pass. I don't know if he was sick or just mean. <gasps> talented. Super duper talented. <laughs> but, but mean. Well, mean. <laughs> I guess we won't be having him as a guest anytime soon. Just make sure Stephanie's not here. Just like uh, Joe Isma. He <laughs> witnessed <laughs> Stephanie Aww. capering about. At oh, the, I saw uh... Joe. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Joe. We hugged. We hugged it out. You hugged it out? Yeah. And then you Sorry. stabbed him in the back. Oh. Oh. his hair. To be fair, I haven't read the latest issue of Morning Glory, so I can't comment on whether it's good or not. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> well, that's Emerald City through the eyes of Stephanie Cook. It's a very yeah, unique people. perspective. Uh, so we're going to move on to our we're going to get back to Emerald City in a little while but first mm -hmm. move on to our book of the week Bob why don't you start us out oh, okay Bob was small, not ready with his small uh, pile very small pile we'll just like uh, do a little dance of songs yeah yeah, that's it we'll <laughs> do a medley uh, I was not going to interrupt believe me you could have you could have vamped for another two or three minutes that was so charming she's back <laughs> yeah. yeah um First issue of the newest Rocketeer miniseries. It's Rocketeer Hollywood Horror. Mm -hmm. uh, not Mark Wade this time, but Roger Landridge mm -hmm. and Jay Bone yeah. doing a very Bruce Tim Darwin Cook kind yes. of artwork. Yes, absolutely. Um, lots of really cool cameos. We've got 
Uh, Betty wanting to be part of the action this time. She's mm. Sort of, hey, wait a minute. I, I'm part of this team too. We can't all, you can't risk your life by yourself. Mm-hmm. We get to see uh, Ham and Monk, who are Doc Savage's assistants, who, who actually made the rocket pack in the first place all okay. the way back. And Nick and Nora Charles from The Thin Man. Mm-hmm. All wow. sorts of Hollywood stuff yeah. showing up here. Not to mention, looks like some sort of Lovecraftian creature. Yes, yeah. And I guess it's it's their version of L. Ron Hubbard who's running the Cthulhu <laughs> cult at this point, which is pretty cool. So if you love the the last Rocketeer, don't be put off by the fact that it's not Mark Wade and Chris Samney this time. You'll you know that, love uh, this one too. L. Ron Hubbard um, tried to recruit me to come and work for one of the churches when I was in oh, California. Really? Yeah, nice. Really? Didn't go too well. <laughs> uh, I liked it. It, it. it had a very specific stylistic bent to mm-hmm. it. It's very like, see, you got this in the picture right in the kisser. Yeah. You know, that kind of definitely <laughs> the tone to it. Yeah. 30s gangster movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, very G. much. Robinson. Yeah, yeah. What do you say? What do you hear? What do you say? Right. Like that type of thing to it. Definitely cool. The- Sorry, oh. Stephanie, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to ask what the, t- the full title of it was again. Rocketeer. Hollywood horror. Yeah. Ooh, okay, I have to read this. It's definitely, it's good. Uh, very, very specific in, in its tone, and I like that. I like that if you're going to take on this property, you bring your own bent to it, because it's different than the Mark Wade Chris Samney mm-hmm. take on it, which is a little more straightforward kind of hero book, and this has a little bit more of a different spin to it. Definitely cool, though. I read it over the weekend and, and enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, again, the art is, is just really special. They, yeah. They tried very hard even through the, the two miniseries, not to do Dave Stevens, mm-hmm. not to try to imitate that, which was just going to come off poorly. Yeah. But in this case, Jay Bone, who I know from a few things, uh, Jordi Belair's colors are absolutely great, really sells the whole period. Yeah. Just really, really neat little mystery thing. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, quickly then, Masks, number four. We keep moving forward with that. We're about halfway through now, as far as I know. And we now have... we've. At the very end of this, you get to see Zorro beginning to put into this. The Black Terror, the Green Llama. <laughs> it's a real character. And not, not double L Llama, single L Llama. Okay. Well, if it's single L Llama, uh, then it's not yeah, It's, it's, it's not, not so silly. Yeah, exactly. right. You had me at Llama. <laughs> and Miss Fury does her thing here. It's looking really, really nice. I mean, it would have been great if Alex Ross had done this all the way through, but... Uh, Dennis Calero is really doing a nice job here in keeping that mood going. Very dark, a lot of cool shadow stuff. Mm. How it, uh, the story is shaping yeah. up? Yeah. I mean, it's, it probably is going to read better as a trade That's what I was than it is individually. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of political intrigue here. And we, uh, to this point, we still have four storylines intersecting. Yeah. And even reading the first issue, it seemed like a very, very big uh, narrative. Yeah. Which might be easier to take in yeah, all at I'm, once I'm rather waiting. than I'm collecting it, but I'm waiting till the end. Rather yeah. than month to month or right. whatever. It might be better if it's it's based on a novel that okay. came out in the late '30s with the Spider character, and it's it's based on those. It, it, it's all about Nazi Germany, basically, mm-hmm. and he's pulling that all into this. And llamas. And llamas. Um, llamas. <laughs> the Dalai Lama, not Michael Jackson's llamas. It's, I, d- I don't want to derail you, but you're bringing up the Nazi thing. Reminded me, mm-hmm. did you see that Wonder Woman fan film that was circulating on the net? Loved, loved that. It was interesting. Uh, I, I feel like it was a little bit... I. I you know, I, I kind of got what they're trying to do, like starting her in the Nazi situation, mm-hmm. then like bringing her to the present day, almost the whole history of Wonder Woman in, in the film. Uh, it's definitely a very ambitious, uh, you know, ambitiously done fan yeah. film. It looks really, really good. There's a lot of good filmmaking, well, and it's well, definitely high quality. She puts up a 30 caliber machine gun and starts shooting down fighter planes. She yeah, does. Yeah, she yeah. does. Absolutely. You know, 
I think those little fan films do better when they're more, uh, when they centralize themselves a little more, like uh, Batman Dead End is in that one area, and I think mm-hmm. it really survives with that because of that. I think when she's kind of out, like in the world, in the bigger world, when she's outside those contained areas in that fan film, that I think it, the the kind of suspension of disbelief that it's a big budget thing goes away. Yeah. You know, but I think it's a really cool uh, effort. You were you told me about it, Steve. Yeah. Did you like it? I did like it. I was a little shifty on it. I thought it was a little over the top mm-hmm. at times. And um, sorry to say, I just, I don't, I haven't spent enough time with Wonder Woman to know what her limitations are as far as like the content of her books, what she does and what she doesn't do. Right. And I found her fight shooting down fighter jets or whatever mm-hmm. the hell it was, fighter planes with a gigantic gun mowing things down mm-hmm. to not be something that I know her to do. So I, it kind of lost me around that time. Um, I'm used to her getting in close with swords and, you know, right. lassoing people and things mm-hmm. of, like that. Um, her with guns just didn't seem to make any sense to me. Now, during the war, she did some of that sort of stuff. I see. I don't know that. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought that they like taken liberties mm-hmm. and that was like their version. And I was like, you had me, but then you kind of lost mm-hmm. me. Right. With that. So it makes me think of that Kate Beaton, uh, Harka Vagrant comment where she's kind of Wonder Woman's like the phone rings and. I think I've talked about this before, but yes. they're like, help us, Wonder Woman. And she's like, are there Nazis? And they're like, well, no. And she's like, well, call me when there's Nazis. Yes. <laughs> the All the superheroes fought the Nazis. It yeah. was de rigueur. Uh, but it got me to, I didn't finish watching it, but I had never seen the uh, DC animated Wonder Woman movie, and I started watching it last night. Uh, really, really good. Oh, you've never seen <laughs> that? No, I've never seen oh, it. It's really, really good. I love the one line in it when they're like, at the White House, they're like, there appears to be an army of supermodels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. what, what, do, I don't remember the name of the director of that. I don't know. I don't remember either, what her yeah. name was. Uh, that's the one. Fillion's in it. Yeah, Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion would be and, perfect in a live action version of Wonder yeah. Woman as and, Steve Trevor. Carrie Russell is Wonder Woman. Yeah, and they had just done Waitress together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tone is right. The origins there. She's Wonder Woman. It yeah, really, it's really plays. Cool. It looks really good too. It looks really, really good. All right, Bob. Sorry, I derailed no, you. Back not, to your books. Back to my books. Uh, <laughs> we'll just move more quickly, um, and really quickly. FF four. Mm-hmm. Yay! Um, which is again, it's another sideways sort of issue. We're only four into this, but things are going all over the place. We do have some with the maybe Johnny from the future. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. some doubt about in a couple of circles here. There's a doubt about a lot of things going on in this book. <laughs> yeah. Um, what this is mostly about is Jennifer Walters going out on a non-date with Wyatt Wingfoot. Yeah. Uh, and they have a long history, which I will talk about in my real book of the week, which comes next. Um, the Moloids are not happy that the Jen is going out no. pitching the woo. The Jen. Yeah. So, that, well, they had the Ben, so now they have the Jen. <laughs> they, they, they're just, they're very fixated. Uh, they get Bentley, of course, to, to sneak his way into fouling up their date, which is just just weird uh it works well though it is very funny it is very touching when you see wyatt and jen together uh mike and laura all read again killing with the art here the, the different moods and how it all hangs together here who knew i almost don't want them to get into the bigger story i just want him to keep doing like the hawkeye thing with these issues yeah. just keep doing these individual stories that focus on characters in the team because it's almost more fun that you know we get we get plenty of books with the big stories mm-hmm. and the and, and the crazy action and stuff like this is just I just love the way it, it 
flows together. Now, I thought when we began, it was going to be the we have to end doom, right? Which is it starts with a lecture mm. with Alex, and just quickly takes that shift. Yeah, well, we never get back to it. Steve, yeah. you approve? It's my favorite book on the shelf. Of course, okay. I do. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, we, we talked about this last week, but we're going to have the writer of FF. Uh, and Fantastic Four and Hawkeye, Matt Fraction on the show uh, next week. You'll hear that next Friday. So if you guys want to get in uh, questions for him, you know, at Talking Comics on Twitter, uh, info at TalkingComicBooks.com or Facebook.com slash Talking Comics. Uh, I was talking to him and Kelly Sue, and he's very excited. So <gasps> It's going to be random. We are exciting. <laughs> Kelly Sue just randomly called you out, right, Stephanie, at the show? Yeah. Well, I was walking past, and she was just like, Hey, Miss Stephanie, and I was like, she remembers me. <laughs> it's very exciting for me. That's I'd be awesome. excited. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. She's the nicest. My friend's actually my friend's is a costume designer, and she's making her daughter Tallulah um, a Captain Marvel dress. Awesome. Wow! So, yeah, I'm excited to see how it turns out. That is pretty <laughs> yeah, then you cool. get one for yourself. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but can... quickly, Bob. Yes. Speaking of FF, I've started reading Hickman's. Fantastic Four again. I was reading. Yeah. Hallelujah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I finally like got a chance to start to start to start to start to start. To... All right, so we're back. Um, you guys heard uh, the insanity that happened. <laughs> um, so Stephanie started talking about how she was reading Fantastic Four, and the entire world decided to collapse in on itself. And what we got was. I started reading, I started reading, I started reading, I started reading, I started reading. I, it, just, it was just a looped audio, and you guys heard a little bit of it. And for the life of me, could not figure out what it was. Uh, reset everything, including my computer, and, and finally, it, we're back and uh, ready to actually talk. But it was pretty insane. Jack Kirby reached out from beyond the grave and broke your computer when she heard, when she heard that Stephanie was reading Fantastic Four. I'll know that, bitch. Uh, <laughs> So, Stephanie, what do we will tempt fate once again? Yeah. You started reading Fantastic Four. I did. That's basically all. I mean, you guys have pretty well talked about it too, mm-hmm. Infinity and Beyond. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I'm really enjoying it. Love the art. Love the story. Although, admittedly, there's a like I started at 600, and there's a lot of backstory that yeah. is missing for me. Um, so, I mean, I know a little bit from what you guys have talked about, mm-hmm. and obviously, I know a little bit about the Fantastic Four to begin with. And it's sort of enough and yet very confusing at the same time, but I'm still enjoying it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with it. Let me tell you, going, I did the same thing where I read from 600 forward, uh, going back and reading the Hickman trades from volume one after you've caught up is going to be very gratifying, like putting the pieces together and see how everything happened. And the idea that it is kind of about, it is about time travel and, you know, parallel universes and stuff like that to read it like that is kind of fitting mm-hmm. and kind of interesting. Yeah. So I think you'll really enjoy going back. Well, I'm trying to read um, like Hickman's FF and Fantastic Four before I go into the new stuff, mm-hmm. which is why I haven't been able to jump in on the conversations with that yet. But I mean, I'm, I'm starting to make my way through it and trying to catch up with everything that I've missed out on while I've been traveling. So Ugh. very cool. Very I, happy about that. I can say personally, like, I finished... I went through FF at the end of last year when we were doing our awards, Mm -hmm. and I read a chunk of Fantastic Four from 600. I didn't go to the end. Uh, I do want to go back and read that stuff, but reading FF and Fantastic Four now, I feel completely fine reading that stuff without even having all of the backup of the other uh, issues. He seems done a good job of uh, definitely... 
you know, keeping that stuff in continuity that came before, but sticking out his own enough where I don't feel like it's bogged down by stuff that's come the six years or whatever before. The characters are informed, and so we are through their own growth. So it works pretty well. Yeah, it's 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 great stuff. Um, But that you were before the world collapsed. Bob was going to transition from Fent- from FF uh, to something else. Yes, and related to it's uh, because in FF four we have Wyatt and Jennifer Walters, the She Hulk, going out on a date. Um, that sparks my mind into its weird connections, and so my book of the week is the Sensational She Hulk, which is Marvel graphic novel number eighteen from nineteen eighty five. Wow. Back when graphic novels cost $6.95 for an oversized magazine-sized... Mm-hmm. And I was slick, four years old. Slick paper. <laughs> Stop that. Stop that, you. <laughs> anyway, th- uh, it's John Byrne, writer and artist, uh, Kim DeMulder on inks, Petrus Gotes on colors. Uh, this happens right after he has put her into the Fantastic Four. The thing has stayed behind on the Secret Wars planet to sort him, his life out a little bit. She's joining then, which is why she's part of the Future Foundation now. Mm -hmm. He respects what she can bring to this. Um, She's feeling a little blue about her cousin Bruce's birthday. People don't know her origin. Um, To avoid a struggle with Universal that was making the Hulk television show, they thought they were going to do a She-Hulk character on television. Stan Lee created the She-Hulk to get something they could hold the rights to before it got ruined for them. Uh, she's Bruce's cousin. He goes to visit her. She's a crusading assistant district attorney, gets shot by some gangster. The only way to save her is a blood transfusion with gamma radiated blood. Perfect. <laughs> so she was the savage She-Hulk. But anyway, book canceled. Moving on. Uh, she was in the Avengers briefly. John Byrne then grabbed her for the FF that was supposed to be alone, turned out to be permanent. And this comes before her solo series, and what we have here is she's feeling blue. Wyatt wants to cheer her up. Suggests a night on the town, which involves her picking him up as if he's her Prada bag and walking out the front door with, her under, with him under her arm. Uh, while this is going on, the folks at S.H.I.E.L.D. are concerned that she's going to turn into her cousin. Mm-hmm. So they send a whole bunch of giant S.H.I.E.L.D. robots out to kidnap her to test her to see what's going to go on. And that doesn't go very well. They end up <laughs> teleporting an entire city block of civilians into the helicarrier. One of them isn't who they anticipate he is. There's something weird going on that I'll just leave at that. They do some really invasive testing, which includes a really skeevy uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who makes her strip, which we don't get to see, but she's sort of holding out her shirt going, would you like me to jump rope? <laughs> <laughs> which turns into an issue further on where in the, uh, her solo series that John Byrne did, which was much about breaking the fourth wall uh, long before Deadpool and some of that sort of stuff, definitely taking off on the Moonlighting television show. Um, I have to sell books somehow, so on the cover she's standing there sort of covering her naughty bits, and he's handing her a jump rope from off panel. <laughs> And the book begins, the first three pages are white pages of a She-Hulk naked, you assume, jump roping, while the editor is screaming at her. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that's what the book was about. Anyway, uh, but we get to a huge battle sequence here, tons of action, the the helicarrier crashes, irradiated bugs and monsters. And if anyone who read FF4, I'm sure this graphic novel is around in the the dollar bins for next to nothing. (laughs) It's a nice way to... uh, It's... 
not as special when it's not, you know, one of those X-Men ones or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be a nice way to look back at where their relationship was that we're now seeing come to fruition again. Mm-hmm. Good old dollar bins. Very Good old nice. dollar bins. Thank you very much, Bob. You're welcome. We finally got to the end of your book of the week. For people out there, it's probably only about, you know, 15 minutes, but for us, it was about 40 minutes. So there we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is done. Moving on. Uh, Steve, what do you got for us? Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> let's not go into another remix, please. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm going to start off with a plea. Everybody, please buy Journey into Mystery. We were just reading uh, up on some of the uh, sales numbers for this book. This book is so much fun. It's awesome. It's so colorful and vibrant and amazing and silly and huge, huge, huge action. Uh, in the latest issue, 649, there I don't know how it's going to ripple out into the rest of the Marvel Universe, but something pretty damn significant happened on the final page uh, that could, you know, spiral out into the world of Thor and all of Asgard uh, that could be pretty detrimental. So you might want to check that out if uh, you happen to like Thor and Loki. It's number what, like six, 649. 649 right now? And it, yeah. this is the third... This is the fourth, fourth issue, issue since it, since the SIF. Yes. The, so some people know about four issues ago, it was a good jumping on point, right? It starts out Absolutely. this new arc. So yeah. even though it's 644, 645, whatever right. it is, 645, I think, was the, that was well, the beginning of this. It, it's it's a place you can jump on. Yeah. I mean, Catherine, in my experience, Catherine Amonin is a very um, schizophrenic writer. <laughs> she just, she bounces all over the place. And the, I mean, I read her, um, her Hellcat. Uh, miniseries that I was actually I wanted to find for Stephanie and I never was able to get my hands on it but um it's just it jumps and it bounces and it's it's almost difficult to grasp on a first read mm-hmm. on a second read you'll get it a little bit more but it just seemed like it was that first issue that had that the rest of them have been really easy to grasp and move along with and it's been very um the continuity of it has been very straightforward so I don't know what was up with that first mm-hmm. issue, but it, it really smoothed itself smoothed itself out. I can't talk after that. So that is not my book of the week. Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing things. <laughs> Avenging Spider-Man number Ooh. 17. Woo-hoo. All right. Um, I want to talk about a book that came out for Marvel now that we really haven't talked about at all because um, I don't think anybody's reading it, but I did. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's Sometimes you need more than one issue to get a grasp on what a series is going to be about, whether you're going to like it or not. Um, My book of the week is X-Men Legacy, uh, the new one with Legion, who is Professor Xavier's son. Now, let me set this up for you a little bit. This is post-AVX, so everything has happened. I'm going to spoil a little something for you. We've talked about it yet. Yeah, okay. So... Legion is, he's basically, he's off. He's doing like a Bruce Wayne, you know, meditation training off in, you know, the Buddhist land, whatever thing. And he's learning how to keep, he has all of these um, like super villain split personalities inside of his head that they all have. They're all like Omega level uh, super villains. So what he's done is he's gone on this retreat to kind of learn how to meditate and he's built a mental prison to keep everybody in. He's basically constructed this big thing in his mind. Everything's behind bars. Everything is where it should be. And in his mind, he's kind of the warden of this jail. And he's got a glove that at the end of each fingertip, he's got uh, needles. And what he can do is if they, if they get out of line, 
he's basically keeping them all in their cells or whatever. And one by one, when he's able, because it drains him, he's trying to drain the life out of them and basically take their powers and keep them for his own and learn how to keep them under control. Uh, and what happens is he gets word that Professor Xavier has died and it triggers this cataclysmic event inside of his head and there's a jailbreak. So you've got all this crazy, crazy stuff happening inside of his head where the book jumps from per, like one perspective to the other where you're outside of his head and then you're inside. And what's going on inside completely influences what's going on on the outside. Mm -hmm. So on the outside, he's trying to be a hero. He's trying to be, you know, uh, a valuable member of the mutant, you know, mutant populace or whatever. But all of these Omega level supervillains are kind of screwing with him as he's trying to do this. Mm -hmm. And he's learning how to tap into these powers when he needs them. And it's just really cool because he gets into these situations where he needs a certain power and he knows that there's something inside of his head that he can use. So you switch back into his brain and you kind of go on like this hunt. And it's just a really wild and weird book. It's very bizarre. Um, and a lot of these, you know, a lot of these X-Men books have been dealing with you know, the fallout of AVX and things like that naturally, because that was the last mm -hmm. big thing that pr pretty much shaped all of Marvel now. Um, but this is just, it's just weird. Like, it's a really weird premise. It's a very strange character. Uh, there's not a whole hell of a lot of characters that you'll recognize, like Wolverine and a couple of other people. They do show up, but they're certainly not, um, they're not like main players, I guess they're not like mm -hmm. front and center. So you kind of have to like, uh, you have to like Legion in order to enjoy the series. Mm. Uh, the art's really cool. It's very cartoony. Uh, the covers of, of this series uh, have been some of my favorites. They're great covers. In yeah. the past few months have just been amazing. Uh, so, I mean, if you, if you want to experience something different, if you want to see something that was kind of, that spawned from the AVX event that is just unlike any of the other more serious, more political, you know, Cyclops uprising kind of things. If you want to take a break from that, uh, X-Men Legacy, it's very specific. You'll either really dig it or you might not like it at all. So I can't recommend it to everyone. But if you get the chance to pick up the trade or you could borrow them from a friend or something... Uh, I read one through six in one shot and wound up really, really digging it after a couple of issues. And I am totally uh, on board for as long as this is this is going to go on. I don't know if it's selling. I don't know. I'm not sure either. If I mean, it's almost like it's really weird. Mm -hmm. It's the premise is strange. The characters are strange. You've never heard of any of these supervillains. It's almost like um, kind of like Dial H mm -hmm. in that sense mm -hmm. where there's just like I saw something in previews. There's like open window man you know and <laughs> yeah. and uh just some really strange strange stuff going on but um yeah i mean you know you want something different you want something cool go and uh go and check it out who is doing that one uh simon spurrier is the writer and uh tan ang uh whoop, here we go <laughs> wait i guess yeah i don't know hoot hoot h-u-a-t uh, yeah and uh, Craig Young for, uh, I guess, the colors. Mm. Uh, really, really, I keep using this word, but it's very, it's very vibrant, very mm. colorful. 
um, very playful use of um, different like color palettes, and it's just so strange. Like I felt strange after I put it down. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know what to read next because it was so oh. left field that mm-hmm. you really don't know where to go from reading something like this. Yeah, uh, I read the first issue back when it came out, and the thing I was left with, I didn't really fall in love with it, but yeah. uh, I remember thinking at the time that what I was liking about it was that all of these different X books that were coming out fulfilled a very specific niche. And yeah. they, and like this book is not made redundant by the fact that there was, you know, five other or six other X books mm-hmm. or whatever. And I, I really liked that uh, about it. Uh, Cy Spurrier uh, got his start doing 2000 AD stuff. Like he did judge Dredd for a while, oh. 2000 AD. So, and he's been doing like Marvel work here and there, but, they for a while they've been saying they wanted to do an X yeah. book and so they use Marvel now to get I just, them on the like, X books. I really I like the idea of like the the dual adventure mm-hmm. that you're you're essentially getting two stories or two adventures in one book because mm-hmm. whatever the situation calls for on the outside you have to go through things on the inside inside of his head to get him to where he needs to be to deal with that situation. Right. And there are people depending on him that there are times when he needs to do this quickly. And, you know, when you go back to inside of his head, it's pretty epic. So Mm -hmm. you're wondering how long all of this actually takes. And it's awesome to see there's a lot of character growth, even in the six issues of him gaining his confidence back and realizing that, you know, these people are a part of him. And, you know, these are these are my powers. He has to keep reminding himself, like, you are not in my head. You I you're a part of me. I Mm -hmm. own you. Right. And I just, I like that perspective. I think it's really unique and really cool. Very cool. So X-Men Legacy. And it's up to issue six? Yeah. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right, Stephanie, what about you? Um, As I mentioned, I'm kind of behind on things, like as far as DC and Marvel go, and I'm in the middle of sort of catching up. But um, I today I actually started reading um, Brian Wood and Becky Cloonan's uh, Conan series. Oh, very cool. Um, so, <clears throat> sorry, I'm only about an issue in. Um, this isn't. This is just a book I want to touch on before I get to my actual book of the week. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not a lot has happened so far. They're kind of building up this story where <clears throat> Conan's like backtracking and telling like a story about how he came to be imprisoned, and he's talking about like some shenanigans he gets into <laughs> while on a boat. I'm and, on um, a boat. Sorry, on a boat. <laughs> And, um, yeah, like the last page kind of, um, for me, transitions into what the story, like the series will actually be about with them. Um, and while Brian Wood hasn't really done a lot with it yet, for me, the thing that really sold it was Becky Cloonan's art. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm like getting over a weird sore throat. So every now and again, I'm like, Ugh. con cooties. <laughs> well, I had it before, so I probably was the one giving cooties to other people. But nice, oh. you gave, yeah. oh, you, gave you gave cooties to Bruce Tim. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't wasn't sick. From it was just like a room. sore throat, like I had like laryngitis or something. I don't know. Is that but anyway, you, you were guzzling halls when you got home. Yeah, yeah, and like cough syrup and stuff Ew. and throat. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I didn't drink very much at Emerald City. Spoilers, everyone. <laughs> I love the taste of cough syrup. She just shot black tar heroin. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the cough syrup I had, it was like, it said in like big letters on the package, do not drink more than three alcoholic beverages. So I was like, <gasps> What, this morning? <laughs> do you know who I am? I, uh... <laughs> what? But anyways, anyway. so back on the ranch. <laughs> um, Again, there hasn't been too much going on with the Conan series, but I really like it so far. I mean, again, I'm only one issue into it, but seems like something that would be right up my alley and 
again, the art is just phenomenal. Let me ask you a question. I'll let you indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the uh, cover art by Fiona Staples for Gail Simone's Red Sonia? Yes, I have. Isn't it pretty? It is really pretty. Gail Simone had little um, pamphlets for the Red Sonia stuff uh, at her table at Emerald City, and I took a peek. It's amazing. She's got an amazing group of gals, and is there, there's guys too, right? Well, uh, the covers are going to be all female artist. Way to cut into the news stories, guys. Well, just just this one. Just this one. I didn't do this. I'm just kidding. Colleen Doran. Yeah. uh, Stephanie Busema. Yeah. Oh, done, sold. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I think I wrote them down here. Uh, Someone asked her about Amanda Connor. mm. Yeah, all, there's, it's an all, they're not variants either. They're just the covers or? Well, it's a mini series. Right. Right, Yeah, I know. But there will be, Dynamite does uh, one of four random covers. And then they do extras beyond. Gotcha. Uh, Nicholas Scott is doing oh, the covers that's as well. A, oh, that'd yeah. be a great yes, one. Yes, yes, that's yeah. another one. <clears throat> there you go. Anyways, so back to Conan. Exciting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm gonna quickly also mention this isn't really. Um, I have one more thing to mention before I guess my book of the week, my actual book of the week. But this isn't so much a comic book as just a really neat thing that I think everyone should kind of look for if they can afford it. It's kind of pricey, but um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this already. There's um. A box set out right now called Nine Old Men, and it's um, a Disney set, uh, and it basically is the original. I know who they are. Yes. Yeah, the original uh, animators from Disney, and basically it's just all these like really cool flip books that are, I believe, they're all these. um, They're the characters that they designed. Mm. So like, there's like Tinkerbell, there's Thumper. um, I haven't really gone through all of them yet, but I picked it up when I was in at Angoulême, and Oh my god, it's so amazing! I posted one of them on my Vine account, the Tinkerbell one, kind of flipping through it, and they're so, so, so neat. Um, they're really limited as well, so if you can't afford it, they're about like sixty bucks, I believe. It's so worth having; it's beautiful. Um, so I just wanted to mention that in a sort of, you know, away from comics and yet kind of comics kind sure. of way. Now, do you have to buy two of them? Because if you're going to flip through one, it's going to have thumb marks and stuff on it. So you need one to be mint and one to flip through. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on like your level of collector. Like, I love collecting like yeah. Disney stuff, but for me, I couldn't resist like opening it because it was just something that I was like, <gasps> yeah, good for you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Open I would it love and enjoy to have, it. Um, they call it the, I think the, the morgue. The um, where they keep all the original cells from all the oh, classic Disney films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 keep it under. I mean, there's only a, like a select amount of people that are allowed in there. That you actually have like it's almost like going into uh, this is from that Dan uh, Dan Brown oh, the Vatican archive. Yeah, thing. yeah, the Vatican <laughs> archives. It's like the Disney archives. Yeah. You gotta get like ushered in. Mm-hmm. You have to like, get like uh, your hands gotta get like uh, what do you call it? Like put gloves on and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Disney Vault. What mm-hmm. is the word I'm looking for? It starts with a D, not desensitized. Desanitized. Yeah, that's yeah. it. There you um, go. It's oh, just speaking of that super quickly. There was like this girl or this guy, sorry, that I used to work with um, at this store in Toronto downtown. And you know how like Disney has those vaulted things, right? Like everything mm-hmm. goes back in the Disney sure. vault. Mm-hmm. And at this point in time, the Lion King had been in the vault, and this girl, she like walks up to me and him, and like when we got together, we got a bit like snarky. And I can't imagine, can't imagine yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Me? Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, but she was like, do you have the Lion King? 
And he's like, well, I'm like, no, no, it's been discontinued. It's in the Disney vault. And she's like, oh, where's that? <laughs> and so, like, this guy, Josh, looks at me and he's like, oh, well, I can't pass this up. And he's no. like, oh, well, you see, we don't have the vault here. It's, you know, it's in Disney World. It's, you know, in the Disney castle. And she's like, oh, what, really? He's like, yeah, totally. And, um, you know, basically you have to go there and um, all these things are discontinued. No one else can get them, but you have to pass a series of trials oh, that Walt Disney yeah. set up. And if you pass them, he'll let you have one movie that is currently not available in stores. Right. And, it's, and it's Walt himself. They de- you know they thaw his Absolutely. head out and he asks a question in an animatronic way, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, oh, what? Uh, really? And he's like, mm-hmm. And she just had him going. Like, he had him had her going at this and she just like carried on and finally had to be like we just don't have it <laughs> we, we just don't have it see but, at the end of that story you had to have one under the counter for the poor lady yeah after you tortured her for not knowing what the disney yeah. vault was <laughs> to be fair i didn't do it it was my co-worker i just went along with it yeah exactly but anyways it's aiding and abetting yes actual book the of the actual week. book of the week um so a while back i funded my first kickstarter project um, that was done by Ryan Estrada. And um, I, I, um, yeah, I got funded. Um, but anyways, <laughs> one of the things that I really wanted and the reason I funded this was not because of a book by Ryan Estrada, but it was for a book um, that was incentive by Ryan Andrews. Now, if you listened to um, our best of 2012 like podcasts, um, you'll know that Ryan Andrews is the fine gentleman behind Sarah and the Seed. Uh-huh. So this book that I received as part of my goodies was uh, is a like almost 200 page book of short stories that was put together by Ryan Andrews. So included in this is Sarah and the Seed, um, but additionally there's all these other little short stories. One's called like One Last Snowfall, and there's one called I believe Bloodstained Roof. Um, which is about like Ew, Santa. They both sound yeah, very happy, yeah. cheerful. No, yeah. it's but Sarah and the Seed is like sad and happy all at the same time. Like it's got that sort of bizarre sense of um, heartwarming affection and yet kind of like twisted weirdness all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the one, the bloodstained roof one is basically like this story of a family whose their lives are so drastically changed by this freak accident where these geese fall and die on their roof and leave like a bloodstained mark on their roof. And it won't like tell the whole thing about it, but basically the whole premise of it is their dad doesn't want like these geese being buried in his yard. The kids want to bury them because they think it's weird that or horrible that their dad's just going to send it to send them to the dump. And, (laughs) And it's just this bizarrely heartwarming story about these brothers that, get together and decide to bury these geese against the what their dad is trying to tell them to do and the consequences that follow after that. It's something to read to the kids before they go yeah. to yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, they've it's got not this... creepy, though, and it's not dark. Like, that's the thing. It's a, a weird... It's hard to explain. You kind of have to read it to know what I mean, but it has a sort of dark premise, but it's so beautiful, and it takes... Ryan Andrews' is gorgeous like grays and whites and blacks 
and also incorporates red. One would think. You're not making the dying goose sounds, Daddy. (laughs) 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 And then, of course, there's one called Nothing is Forgotten, and which is the title of the story or the anthology itself. Or I guess is it an anthology if it's all written by the same person? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, collection. Um, Collection. A collection. Yeah. And this one's told, I think, completely without words. And it's just the story of a little boy who loses his family. And um, Another cheery piece. Yes. <laughs> I know. On I Christmas. Know. <laughs> At the <laughs> mall. On <laughs> Christmas, which also happened to be his birthday, which also happened to be the day his dog got hit by a car. Like, <laughs> no. But that really didn't happen. I promise it's not that dark. But basically, this little boy is so, like, heartbroken, and he runs off into the woods and stumbles across something he, he doesn't know if it's scary or magical and and i won't tell like any more than that but it's just so beautiful um I, i'm in love with like ryan andrews's art like if for nothing else he's so incredible and yet these stories are simple and elegant and so original and i i don't honestly know if it's available any other way other than through the Kickstarter project, but I seem to remember Ryan Andrews running a Kickstarter for this book a while back as well. And um, you guys, please buy it. It's so incredible. It's like the most beautiful art that I've possibly ever seen. And just so worth every cent that you would potentially spend on it if it's available. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose you could probably check on his website. It's Ryan dash a.com but um seriously amazing seriously guys what's the name of the collection 70 nothing is forgotten nothing is forgotten okay great Mm -hmm. awesome all right so uh i guess we'll move on to me to finish out the book of the week uh yeah no we'll just skip uh, you know i'll forget myself like i forgot stephanie last time she (laughs) was on the show uh so first off uh hawkeye of course uh, amazeballs uh just great uh, especially the the full page like fake uh, pulp novel covers or comic yeah, book covers, romance comics, yeah, yeah. that are done. Uh, just really great, great stuff. Um, oh, just so you guys know, we didn't say this at the beginning of the show, but we are going to talk about the Batman Inc. and the fallout from it. Um, but we're going to do it much like we did Superior Spider Man. We're going to do the whole show, and then after the break, I'm sorry, after the the theme song plays, we'll do a, a post theme song spoiler section so anybody who hasn't uh hasn't been spoiled if that's even possible at this point you guys um can avoid it without having to kind of try to fast forward the show and happen to just fast forward to the point where we're talking about something you don't want to hear so because that's happened to me before uh, listening to podcasts um uh really quick too uh i read uh children's crusade avengers children's crusade yeah which steve had let me borrow and really, really great stuff. Uh, a lot of fun, but also very emotional. And if you're reading either Young Avengers right now or you're reading FF, it's a really great book uh, for a lot of emotional context to what's happening yeah. uh, in those stories. Uh, definitely check that out. I've also, uh, kind of after what happened in uh, Batman Inc., which is a very uh, obviously Damien-focused issue, uh, I wanted to look for Damien-centric stories that didn't weren't written by Grant Morrison or uh, Pete Tomasi, and I found uh, there's an issue of uh, Superman Batman. It's number seventy-seven, I believe. It's called uh, Fright Night, and it's uh, with Kara 
uh, Supergirl and Damien teaming up on, on Halloween to solve a, a murder in uh, in Metropolis. Oh, awesome! Kara goes looking for Batman, and Batman's busy, so she you know brings Damien along uh, with her, and it's a really great issue. It's really funny. Uh, How'd you get your hands on that? I just looked for it, and I got it digitally. It's on Comicsology nice. and such. Uh, awesome. Yeah, it was it was just a lot of fun, and it's a you know a big reminder, and that. Coupled with the fact that I read uh, the first six issues of the Brian Q. Miller Batgirl, uh, because there's also a couple Damien appearances there as well, and some really great ones. Yeah, the, the he, the way that he interacts with those characters who don't really know him it, it is just very very funny to me because he's such a snot to them and, and just you've about got everywhere. No chest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's just and both Brian Q. Miller and. I believe it's Joshua Williamson did the issue of uh, Superman Batman. Both write him very, very well, and they're both a lot of fun. And it just got me thinking: there's, there's no books that exist right now at DC really that are like that. You know, that are just these fun kind of adventure romps. And it was just really great to read those stories. And uh, you know, the, the Superman Batman issue, you don't really have to know anything about continuity or anything. It's a very standalone, singular issue just with those two characters. Uh, and there's a great moment when uh, Supergirl brings Damien back. And uh, at this point, this is before New 52, so Dick Grayson is Batman. And he goes, did Supergirl drop you off? Was it a date? <laughs> She's way out of your league. You know, and it was just a great little, a great little moment. Uh, but my uh, actual book of the week uh, is Guardians of the Galaxy uh, point one. Uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis with nah. art uh, by Steve McNiven. And I wrote a review of it for the site. And, if, you know, there were criticisms ahead of the book. And I'll get those kind of out of the way first. I, I think that while it's very good for a character that not a lot of people know to give backstory on that character, uh, I feel as if a lot of this information would have been better served if it had been kind of metered out throughout issues of the book to give Peter's backstory a, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, cause all put together, well, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an extra size issue and you definitely get your money's worth from it. You, it's, it's kind of episodic in the way it's told. And I feel like Peter himself gets a little bit of short shrift compared to the story of his father meeting his mother, which I think is done very, very well, very romantic, uh, very idealistic. And, um, I think Peter comes off a little bit bratty, even though he does, stand up for someone who's in trouble and there's definitely redeeming qualities about him. The overall sense you get is he's, he's angry kid who doesn't have a father and you completely understand why he's bratty, but all you get is brattiness. Even kind of when he's an adult in the last scene, he's a little bit stick, stuck up, a little bit bratty. Uh, what, what's really good about it though is, um, like I said, the opening kind of scene and vignette I, I think is, is more romantic than you see in most books. Uh, maybe out, except outside of probably Fantastic Four, where we got this last issue with mm-hmm. the kind of love story with Reed and Sue, you don't get a lot of the classic romance stuff, and I feel like it was very classic movie romance, and I like that a lot. Uh, the art is, I, I think, gorgeous. Uh, uh, Steve McNiven, it's so detailed and, and and pleasing to look at, and you know the, the character emotions are great, and even the uh, the big explosion stuff, I think, really work. And I, the colors, I think it's Justin Ponzer. What'd you say? Oh, sorry. Nothing. My I had like, carry on. Okay. You, you have headlights? <laughs> I was going to say what something, but it like, <laughs> no, I was about to say something, but I could hear myself as it came in 
like five seconds after when I meant to pipe in. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, what were you going to say? Damn you, leg. No, go ahead. What were you going to say? <laughs> it was seriously stupid. Well, say it now. <laughs> say it now. You have to say it now. <laughs> I was basically going to, because when you were talking about the romance thing, I was about to say he's leaving on a space jet plane and he doesn't know when he'll be back again. All right. Yeah, <laughs> that was worth <laughs> it. That was definitely worth it. It was definitely worth it. It's so much funnier saying it after the fact than if you had actually piped in at the no, point where it had happened. Yeah. Uh, he is leaving on a space jet plane. Uh, and I, I do think, uh, I like really the color palette a lot. I think it's very warm, very rich. And I felt it very visually pleasing. Uh, it, it didn't leave me less excited for Guardians of the Galaxy 1 because I'm very excited for the the cosmic avenue that we're going down right now. Uh, I really liked Nova and I like the tone of this book as well. Uh, I, I just, and to use a, a Stephanie term, uh, felt possibly unnecessary as a point one because I think the information would have been great layered out through other issues of the book uh bob you read it right before we came on yep, and i feel exactly the opposite okay cool i, I want to hear really enjoyed the book nice and particularly the, those romantic scenes you're talking mm-hmm. about and the colors really help sell that as yeah. you see that the light changes and they're alone mm-hmm. i love that this information was presented in okay. a compressed one issue here it is here are these people i can feel it happening Spread across six issues, that may have been diffused and lost. Mm-hmm. I really felt that romance here, and it really, really struck me. That's that's great. That's awesome. That, that, that's a great differing view. I, uh, you know, it's interesting you say that too, because you, you're not a huge fan of Brian Michael Bendis. No. So it's interesting that you enjoyed the book. That that's that's pretty cool. But maybe it's because it isn't a different structure than he usually uses. Yeah. Maybe because it's that point one. But I really, you felt for the young girl. Mm-hmm. who's yes, now thrust into a bad situation mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on a number of levels, even as it goes on. But it's, it's palpable. You can feel that there's something between them fairly quickly. Yeah, no, I do agree with you. And I think that, I don't, I'm going to say that when the, the kid is acting out, I, I think that it is, it feels like the kid would act that way. It's just he gets so little page time. That was really my main problem with, with oh, what I happens. I see that. No, I agree with that. You no, know, definitely so. It, it was more that stuff than the, the like if this was, if the beginning of this book, the romance action angle was like a prologue to the issue one, like in issue one, and then we went on to, I meant more him as a young boy stuff okay. parsed out, just so we got to know him a little better, it's, so I have more connection. Stephanie, go ahead, sorry. Very much like um, the first episode of, I believe, Steven Spielberg's TV series Taken. Which I haven't seen. Is that? They, oh, no, that's, that was a well, series, yeah. Then. Um, yeah, like it's almost identical to the series, actually, aside hmm. from like a little bits and pieces, but um, maybe not identical, but it's similar. And it kind of felt that way, although I did enjoy it, though. So, you know, that's a thing. <laughs> Steve, did you, uh, did you get a chance to read it? Yeah, I read it. What did you think? <laughs> well, between what Bob said and what Stephanie had, she just, <laughs> both of them stole whatever two bolts of thunder that I had. Um, I did enjoy it. I think that I need to to read it again. Like I said, I I must have read close to God, I don't know, sixty something books in the past week. It's a lot of books. Yeah, I read a lot, so it kind of got uh, lumped in. But uh, it felt very eighties to me. Uh, Spielbergian mm-hmm. is that? That's yeah, yeah All right, absolutely. We'll, we'll go with that. 
Um, but it it still feels new, so it almost had kind of like that Super 8 vibe to it, yeah, where it felt like, you know, something mm-hmm. from back then, like from, from our childhood, but done in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting that both the Nova book and Guardians of the Galaxy both had essentially like bratty children coming to grips with their father's role in, you know, this giant galactic, you know, intergalactic story that they now need to believe Mm -hmm. in these things. Um, I really enjoyed the um, first half of the issue with all the the romance angles, the quiet moments, um, the page where um, the two people are in in front of the fireplace, uh, I thought was very tender and very, very affecting. Uh, I could have done without the schoolyard stuff. I know that they wanted to sh- show you a glimmer of heroism within the within the kid. Um, and then you had the jump. Mm-hmm. At the, I don't want to talk about it too much, but um, yeah, I think it's... I, I think I enjoyed Nova a little bit more just because I found it to be a little bit more um, loose mm-hmm. and fun. And a bit more like Saturday morning cartoony, right? Well, yeah. um, but I, that being said, I did I did enjoy it very much, and I mm-hmm. am definitely looking forward to it. And I did like the compartmentalized delivery of the background, um, kind of where Nova didn't give you everything in that issue. Like I totally expected certain things to happen that mm-hmm. didn't, and I was pleased. Whereas things that happened with Guardians of the Galaxy, it being kind of you know, summed up and given to you right away so that you can move into it. I feel like that's big enough that you probably should start it off that way. Mm-hmm. Like Bob said, that if you stretched it out, that some of that, some of those moments might have been lost. Mm-hmm. That it, if there was too much going on or too much side stuff, that those, you know, really quiet and tender, like emotional moments would have just been shoehorned in. Right. So, um, but I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to it, to another issue. And, mm-hmm. um, Especially given that they're doing the movie and everything, I mean, it's something that no matter what, I'm going to keep an eye on it. Right. Yeah. And then they, I, I, I do want to say, anybody who is a video game fan and a Mass Effect fan, the the outfits they're wearing at the end of that, like they're they're they look very Mass Effecty. Uh, I, I to agree. Me. I actually yeah. thought that she, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's very Mass Effect like uh, uh, like the M7 or whatever armor. Uh, but very cool looking, and I do think I think Nova is very much going to be more the all ages type feel to it, and this is going to be more space opera, science fiction, big science fiction stuff. But uh, we will we'll see what happens. So that uh, brings our book of the week segment to an end. We're going to take a little break, and we're going to come back with some news and with some listener feedback. We are back. Um, and Stephanie, before we get into the news, you had a little update about your whole uh, Ryan Andrews spiel, right? Yes. Um, I was creeping online for a little bit to see if I could find where someone could buy um, <clears throat> the short story book I was talking about. Um, and while I didn't find out anything about that because I got sidetracked with something else, that something else is another short book that you can get from him called This Was Our Pact. Um, basically, you can read it online for free. Or you can download a PDF for your iPad or whatever 
for pay what you can. So you can get it for as low as a dollar. And that's available on his website, uh, andrew-a.com. Yeah. Awesome. Gnarly. Fan. I haven't bought it yet because I just Gnarly. bought it. And yeah. <laughs> Tubular. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's Wiki. funny you mentioned that uh, this is not comic related at all, but uh, that the pay as you pay what you want model. I hear I listened, and this is kind of all over the internet lately, but I listened to the great uh, TED talk that Amanda Palmer gave about uh, was, giving her music. I was just wondering about that, like th- 35 seconds ago. Oh, really? We started again. Yeah. I, I watched it today. It, it's fantastic. Uh, she's great, and you know she she talks about you know how. You shouldn't be asking how do we get people to pay for our, how do we force people to pay for our music, but what can we give people that makes them want to to pay for our music, you know? So it, it's not more how can we make them, but how do we make them want to pay? So what does TED stand for? I don't know what it stands for, but they're they're known. They do all these different talks with all like J.J. Abrams has done one. Uh, they did a fake one when Prometheus was, Prometheus was coming out, but it's technology and you know just kind of forward thinking stuff. If you look, if you search TED Talks, you'll find them. Technology entertainment delivery. <laughs> That's Bob's guess. All right, <laughs> we'll see if we can find it and then update it. Yeah. Oh, uh, but thanks. It's, Make me look like more of an idiot. But thanks, it's great. Dad. So check that out. Uh, so on to a little bit of news. Uh, the, the first bit of news, and we actually had a listener um, on Twitter suggest this to us. Uh, so we talked a couple weeks ago when we uh, talked about the announcement of Adventures of Superman, the digital first book that was coming out, that Orson Scott Card was one of the writers, and there's been a lot of backlash against that for the very anti-gay uh, uh, things he said uh, in the media and everywhere else uh, to the point of encouraging violence against people who will marry you know a, a gay couple and such uh there's been a lot of protesting against him writing this book and uh dc has not uh fired him from doing the book however the artist on his story which is to be the first story out in this uh chris sprouse has left uh the project uh, basically saying the 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 backlash from the media has been so bad that it's overwhelming what the work was going to be and he did not want to be part of that uh, and but that his relationship with DC still remains intact and, and very well. So, what that does do though is it delays Orson Scott Card's uh, story. So now the first printed issue will not involve him. It will be stories uh, Jeff Parker and Chris Samney, uh, Justin Jordan and Riley Rossimo, and uh, Jeff Lemire. Those the, the, th- be the three teams that will be doing stories in Adventure Superman number one. That's nice. Well, you get something right better. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about this already uh, with Rob when Rob was here about, you know, if he was talking about women or um, uh, an ethnic minority, would this even be a, would he already have been kicked off uh, of the book? Uh, and, the, you know, the, the people have raised a point about, you know, how should someone's personal viewpoints affect how they get work when we're supposed to live in a, in a free uh, speech society? So uh, I just want to go, Bob, what do you think? Here's the thing. Everyone's allowed to have whatever view they choose to have, and this is America, and that's great, as Chris Sprouse was in leaving. Mm -hmm. When you, as Mr. Card does, join organizations to try to promote legislature so that we can enact bigoted laws against a segment of the population, that takes it from beyond an opinion into actual... I'm not going to start using the hate word because that gets into something we don't even... He's doing it for a reason he believes in. Mm -hmm. So I can't... I don't want to hit that. But you're looking to segregate 
part of the population into a, 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 a little group that we can then demonize. And that's just wrong. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Stephanie, you weren't here when we talked about it the first time. What, what do you think about all this? Um, I actually had only thought in the first place that um, it was just he was I didn't realize the extent of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he just that those were his views. He and that was it. I didn't realize he had kind of did big media blowout thing about it. And I was kind of thinking, like, those are his views. Like, it doesn't affect his writing, you know it's not really fair to say, I mean, if it doesn't wind up in the writing, then I don't see the problem, but I didn't realize again that he had kind of made this a public thing. So with that being said, I'm still slightly of the mind that if it's not in his writing, there's a professional side of things. And then his personal side, he definitely shouldn't have, you know, advertised it the way he is. He did, but, I don't know. I feel like I'm portraying some like personal thing by even saying that, but <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's a really tricky situation. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I mean, mean I definitely here... think he needs to be reprimanded for what he did. I don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, whether to say that he'll never work again or whatever is, uh, I don't know. It's it's tricky. I mean, Steve, what do you want to? You want to chime in? Yeah, I guess. Um, it's, you know, like Steph said, it's a really touchy subject. It's, you know, it's it's difficult because, first of all, everybody, I'm, you know, it's just off the cuff and everybody's hearing our words and mm. everything. But um, it's one thing to try to uphold, like, neutrality and professionalism and, you know, have the website and, and be open-minded to all things comics and all things within personality versus talent and personality versus books and stuff like that. But um, I don't approve of his his statements, his practices, his whatever you want to call it. Um, I think, like Bob said, it's very bigoted. It's very um, just for for very for personal reasons. I have close friends that are that are of that group that I love very much. And Mm -hmm. when something like that happens, it not only insults the very idea of it, but it insults those people that I'm close to. Um, and that hurts me on a pers- personal level and professionalism um, kind of gets overridden by that and gets thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I care a lot about the people that I'm close with, especially the people that I know that are uh, homosexuals and whatnot. And I support them and I have no problems whatsoever. Um and I, I, it's sad that like I, that's something that I would be excited for, but knowing how where he stands on that, it does creep into my interest in the book, and it does creep into my, I'm not able to separate it like mm-hmm. some other people are. Um, so I don't. I mean, I would almost read the book out of a you know responsibility to the site and responsibility to the fans, um, but as far as supporting him, no. But as far as um, what was his name, Chris Sprouse, Sprouse, who who walked off the book, mm-hmm. um, I read his reaction to it. And I thought it was a very professional reaction. Um, I read it earlier today, and I was talking to my friend Brendan, and I said, you know, good for him that he, you know, he felt the way he did, and he respectfully bowed out, gracefully made a, a very concise and simple statement, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, with all the media attention, all the negativity 
that this is receiving. People are, are boycotting. There's like something going around. There's like 16,000 signatures yeah. on something uh, boycotting the book that he said it's become more of a media frenzy and it's become so focused on, you know, Orson and, and his views that it's no longer about the project. It's no longer about the art. Mm-hmm. And whether I stay on the book or not, he's like, I just, I'm not comfortable with it. Yeah. And I Step- think. Oh, sorry. No, go on. I was just about to say, it's definitely, I mean, <clears throat> I was really, um, a lot of people were boycotting uh, Tony Harris after he spoke out about cosplayers. Had this been something like cosplay, I would be like, oh, go grow up, people. He's allowed to not like cosplay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is a different matter entirely. So, I mean, it's obviously. Yeah, I, well, I think that it mm-hmm. it insults a vast amount of, of readership that with, you know, homosexuality in comics, that it's becoming more of a of a prevalent thing that um, it's they're just starting to have like characters again and they're starting to have you know they're starting to be integrated into the culture and just starting to get comfortable and then somebody like this or something like this comes along and almost derails that Mm -hmm. and you know i i hate to i'm not pointing a finger aside from batwoman for this coming from dc that they just they don't handle in my experience i don't know past books beyond how long have we been doing this but in my experience they haven't always handled their homosexual characters very well and i just see it as a like a black mark uh on their record for allowing it to to continue um i can't tell them what they should and shouldn't do they want to sell books it's very controversial so it's going to sell no matter what but I think you have to draw a line somewhere. And if you have somebody that's promoting hate for a fair amount of your readership, that it's not exactly the best move. Mm-hmm. So that's all. I don't want to say anything I else. I mean, well, you can tell them that you they can't do it by not buying the and, book. That's how you yeah. tell them they can't right. do it. Um, this is what... And Rob said this much better and very concisely last time he was here, but... My thing is, is this is not a complicated issue. You know, this, this is, abortion's a complicated issue. You know, there are millions of complicated issues. Bigotry is not a complicated issue. This guy is Amen. being a bigot. If he, if he said, oh, we should bring back segregation, or black people are inherently dumber than white people, he would be off this book already. Hmm. But it's because that uh, um, discrimination against gay people is still somewhat socially acceptable that we let this go on, not us here, but you know that DC doesn't feel more pressure to get rid of this because it's still kind of okay in a lot of people's eyes to slight that group of people. It's changing, but I, I think that people want to go. Oh, I don't. Uh, people don't want to be seen as putting down someone's First Amendment rights, and I, I completely understand that. But you're not allowed to build fire in a crowded movie theater, you know. You, and you're not allowed to use hate speech to incite, uh, you know, public danger. And so there are limits to to freedom of speech. You don't know, though, too, what the contract was. You don't know if they had drawn up something that was pretty airtight between their lawyers. Oh, no. And you don't yeah. know. Like, I mean, we can't completely say this is D.C.'s. Oh, shame on you, because we don't know behind the scenes. For all we know, D.C. tried to fire him. And his lawyer said, if you do that, we will sue you. Yeah, no, I'm like, not saying that no, no, no. at I'm this point. No, 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 I'm just saying for the record. Yeah, like, at this point. But they Orson, done Scott, some... Orson Scott Card was a yeah. noted 
um, you know, anti-gay advocate before he they signed him to sign Adventures of Superman, Adventures to write write Adventures of Superman. So th- it's only come to a huge quell now. There might there will be a contract where DC cannot fire him because I'm sure if at this point if they could have they would have. Right. You know, it's the research done before or not yeah. done before in this case. Mm-hmm. It's 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 kind of a lack of thinking about what's going on. And yes, look, I'm not saying the guy shouldn't be able to hold a job down ever again, but. I'm saying that, and much like Steve said, and if you do not like what's happening, do not buy the book. And I don't, and I, I think that, you know, whether or not you're you're, inc- you're in, in, incited by this or not, there's probably somebody in your life, whether you know it or not, who is gay. You know, and you you owe it to people less fortunate than you, as far as this cultural landscape goes, to make a stand and this is a very small way to do it but don't buy Adventure Superman whatever Orson Scott Card's name is on it don't buy that issue of Superman yeah. like I, I think that I don't think it's a complicated issue at all so okay, I just actually realized that he's the same guy Understand. I don't know why I didn't uh, yeah yeah. It'll I be, don't know why I didn't let this click before but Ender's Game and all that stuff too right yeah absolutely yes. it'll be fascinating to so, see when the movie which they're making well, right now comes right. out what will happen Yeah, is gonna stand here all of those people who find the Ender Saga beloved to them, are they going to stop and hate on that too now? Is it less beloved to them because of this? I think it could be. It, I mean, people. I think it could be. Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends on how much the issue incites you. And that's a personal thing. I don't think that they should take issues of, uh, they should take the, the copies of Ender's Game off the shelf. There's no. a difference between, no. uh, you know, writing your own personal story of characters you've created. You have the right to do that whenever you want, you know? But- my point just being with that is that book was beloved um, despite his personal right, yeah. you know, opinions. It, it so does it – I mean, and again, it, I'm not pro DC doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, does it make that book any less of something that you loved as a child or mm-hmm. whenever? Like, I'm, do you well, know what, what I mean? Well, no, absolutely. You, here's yeah. the thing, though. But if, if you read that book as a child before his views came out mm-hmm. – that's that book in your memory. As a grown-up with more sophistication, you now read what his views are. Is mm. the book itself colored rereading it by what you know he's really about? Yeah. I mean, I think that as an artist, you have the right to have your personal views and to have your professional life. And those two things don't always have to meet up. But when you put those personal views on Front Street for everybody to hear... Um, you run the risk of your art being tarnished by your personality. I mean, you saw what happened with Mel Gibson a couple of years ago. I like, I honestly cannot go back and watch old Mel Gibson movies now without thinking about that stuff constantly. Yeah. And that's the, the, doesn't mean those movies were any less good when they came out, but when you're that openly hateful about something, it, I think it can very much tarnish the work that you've done. Again, I my one point is real point is here biggest one. He can have whatever views he wants, and it colors our opinion of it mm. in the reading of the work. Yeah. Once you you take it to the next level and politically act on it mm. to create a a society whereby uh, gay people can't marry, mm. or that they'll I'll overthrow the government. We should yeah. go out and overthrow the government if if you allow gay marriage. Mm. You're now into a political activism. 
Yeah. That this is not Charlton Heston even running the NRA mm. or left-wing celebrities Barbara Streisand advocating mm. Al Gore or whatever. We are now into George Wallace, Lester Maddox, standing in mm. front of a restaurant with an axe handle mm-hmm. saying black people can't come in. Right. Yeah. And I, I think... Yeah. Sorry, Stephanie. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that what it comes down to, again, just is personal feelings towards whether you're pro his work or more pro towards his personal feelings on, you know, whatever, not whatever, but I I mean, I guess specific subjects. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously like, look, if you're anti-gay, which I think that's ridiculous, um, but it's your personal view and you agree with Orton Scott card, go ahead and buy the book, you know, but I'm just saying that I don't think a person who spouts hate speech should be writing a should be writing Superman. You know, I just don't think it. Yeah. I, I, I for, forget about the, you know, the, the what he's saying. It, it just does not line up to me. And yeah, I think it doesn't that, match up with yeah. what the character stands. And for I think at all. it sends a bad message beautiful, beautiful to people guys. who are who are trying to you know. DC's one point saying, look, we're interesting gay characters. We're doing this. We're doing that. But then we're gonna have a very anti-gay uh, writer come on and, and pen one of you know our most famous character. So, I mean, it's it's an issue that has been very controversial and we'll have to see how it shakes out. Uh, um, so moving on to something that's a little happier about Superman. Yeah. Uh, there was a piece in USA today. This, uh, I think it was either yesterday or today even, uh, where, uh, very short thing. Uh, the name of, uh, Jim Lee and Scott Snyder's Batman, uh, Superman book is now called Superman unchained. Uh, and they just showed up some promo art for it and that it's going to be coming, I believe in May or June. So, uh, uh June, June. Yeah. So very cool. They're going to uh, be releasing, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's okay. Be, Go ahead. Uh, the film, the comic, and there's another something, another like collection of Superman mm-hmm. or something. Um, they're all being released around that window within like the same three weeks. Yeah. Uh, to celebrate seventy like, fifth anniversary, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, like it you be. know, June is the month of Superman. Yeah, Action Comics one. Yeah, and I think Superman Batman starts that yeah. month as well. That's, that that was the other. Thing. Okay, cool. If uh, someone at DC is listening, can you put some of those copies of Superman in the theater, please? <laughs> Just uh, saying, and, hand uh, them out instead of the three D glasses or with the three D glasses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Scott Snyder said he was having in the, in the interview. I'm just paraphrasing. He said he was he he got like panic attacks thinking about writing Superman. But so. he also I saw one where he was talking about how it seems as if Superman and Lois need to be together. Yeah, he did say that. That it's sort of you start writing it and it just happens. There's yeah. chemistry and sparks mm-hmm. and thank you, Scott. We should go to the movies with him when Man of Steel comes. Yeah, out. I'm sure he'd be up for that. Him and his kids. <laughs> um, we'll buy him popcorn. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's let's transfer a little bit of movie news, though. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, the th- theatrical trailer for Iron Man three uh, hit, and I just wanted to kind of give our impressions of it. Bob, what did woof. you think? <laughs> woof, that's a, you know, is that a good woof? That's a good woof. Okay, <laughs> that, that was just really intense. A lot more Mandarin, which was fun to yeah, see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Don Cheadle has a much bigger part than we look like. You know, we have the Iron Patriot and mm. little, little saluting and <laughs> great action sequences. It's obviously very Pepper centric, which yeah. I like as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing he can't lose. Yeah. And I can't wait. When's this coming out? Um, May? May 5th? May 3rd, yeah. I think. Okay. One, one of those. I should days. buy tickets now. <laughs> <laughs> they did say that it was have. opened up for uh, ticket sales. Oh, really? But um, yeah, it's. I think I'm in the minority when I say that the previous trailer really didn't get me that excited for Iron Man. I was kind of like, yeah, 
<laughs> All right. Well, that's cool, I guess. Um, but this trailer actually it shows like a little more depth to um, Tony Stark, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I'm not the biggest Gwyneth Paltrow fan in the world, but I do like her as Pepper Potts for the most part. And um, I, and I, I mean, the Mandarin's going to be an interesting character because there was a lot of controversy about him being in the movie in the first place. Um, but this trailer has made me want to go see it again. Mm-hmm. It was dramatic, <laughs> and there was action and explosions, and there was love. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I'll check it out. I'll go see it. Maybe not in IMAX because, you know, that's, like, gigantic, and my eyes get, like, <laughs> but I'll go, I'll go see it. <laughs> Steve, what did you think of it? I'm there. You're there? Yeah. I, um... The effects look absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. I um I don't I don't need 3D. I don't care for it. But then there are certain films that are coming out. Uh, something like uh, like Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. I IMAX 3D all the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I am so ready to be wowed by the next you know the next generation of Marvel films post Avengers. Uh. It's really gotten to the point where, you know, and I this is this is very this is blanketing everything, but they could announce pretty much anything right now, and I don't even need to see trailers. I don't need. Mm-hmm. I am so excited that after the Avengers, after all the lead up films, like all the great jobs they did with Captain America and Thor, that we've finally reached the point where comic movies are amazing. Mm-hmm. And some are better than others. I, you know, I recognize that. But the bottom line is that they're fun. And I don't really go to the movies anymore. Um, It's too expensive. And I don't like crowds. And these movies... People are stupid. They are. (laughs) Especially in the movie theater. Um, So these movies, these movies get my ass into the seat. They get my money. They get me excited. Um... I won't do Avengers was my last midnight uh, screening, but I mean, the morning after I'll be there and uh, I can't wait. The trailer was very intense, very emotional. Lots of lots like Stephanie said, lots of depth to Tony Stark. And I think that that's really what that franchise needs after Iron Man 2. Because I think Iron Man 2 was a little bit of a not that it wasn't good. I liked it better the second time I watched it, but it still doesn't stand out as one of the better Marvel films. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really dig the way uh, the Mandarin speaks. I like his kind of slow, uh, methodical patterns to the way that he says things. Like He drags words out. It's very creepy and very uh, villainous. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for it. It looks really good. One of the things I'm most excited for is the fact that it seems very much that the Avengers, what happened in the Avengers, is having a direct effect on Tony in mm-hmm. in this in this movie. You know, he he's the opening part of the trailer where he talks about you know all the things that are good in his life, but why can't he sleep? And it's very much because you know he realizes that what he once thought he was the the you know the cock of the walk, the top dog, and now he realizes he's just a little ant in this huge world. So how can he possibly protect the things that he loves? Yeah. Well, I think it has a lot to do. I mean, we've all seen the Avengers. Mm. I hope all you guys have seen yeah. the Avengers, 
when he makes the the sacrifice yeah. play at the mm-hmm. end of the film, that that was really a turning point for mm-hmm. him, and that it's going to carry out to the other films that he realizes that he can't. He's still cockily. He's still going to be funny. Oh yeah, he's still going to yeah. be Tony Stark. But then when he's Iron Man. You know, you're not just a rich dude flying around in a suit, being all fancy with fireworks and dancing girls and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, you got a job to do, man. Mm-hmm. And I think that he realizes that now. We're going to see that maturity in yeah. the third film. Yeah, it's also a much bigger job than he thought it ever was. Yeah, now absolutely. it's other universes and yeah. beings way beyond his pay scale. Um, I loved, there's a there's that moment, it's a really quick shot, but Pepper's holding the, the helmet, yeah. the empty yeah. helmet. And I thought it was just a really powerful uh, imagery. There, uh, I'm really excited to see. I know that they said it's going to be stripped down, very personal, uh, with just basically Tony dealing with a problem only Tony can deal with. It's going to be a Tom Clancy novel. Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah, Tom Clancy thriller, a superhero movie, and that should be cool. Uh, I'm glad Don Cheadle has a big part in it. I really want Tony to be like, yo, where the fuck were you when New York was getting invaded by all the (laughs) aliens? You know, (laughs) you have the same suit I do. Uh, But uh, I'm really looking forward uh, to that movie. I mean. Downey is amazing. Uh, we had some reactions from people on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Christian said, I think, uh, oh, this is, this is, oh, well, this is about another new story coming up, but uh, we'll talk about it. Christopher said, Hulkbuster armor and Ben Kingsley's Mandarin voice. Fuck the world. Love that after the epic scale um, of the Avengers uh, that they're bringing it down to a more personal level for Tony. Uh, Leonardo uh, said, I think I left some DNA on the floor as I watched the video, <laughs> and that was a it was a there was, that was a common uh, platitude for it. Uh, Craggle Craggle underscore Rock on Twitter said, I did a little wee. Uh, <laughs> uh, Zero context Cody said, looks very epic. I'm excited. Uh, friend of the show Sarah Bell, I am a giant woman said, uh, so I'm am I the only person who do, that in the world that doesn't watch trailers of films they'll see anyway for fear of spoilers? Oh. Uh, Harry would not watch it either. Yeah, he said, you know, Harry uh, said, can't watch it. Best money shots of Iron Man 2 were spoiled by the trailer. Why risk it for three? I just can't help myself. I wish I could be one of those people who doesn't watch trailers for movies they're excited for, but I can't help myself. Uh, um, We have one. uh, He said, I love how they take everything away from Iron Man and Mandarin making him choose an empty life or a meaningful death, which was a great great line line. at the end. Uh, H underscore Paz says, it made me happy in my pants. (laughs) (laughs) uh and uh frank who's uh at shocked 87 said i cannot wait for this uh we also we put up a what do you think um on the website for the iron man 3 trailer um and uh we had a name it purple said stripping the character right back down to what really makes him uh, the man he is is a smart way to go especially post avengers i think there's going to be a lot in this film echoing the first iron man the tone voiceover and brief glimpse of a memorial post nyc battle would seem to suggest that tony stark's bewildered by the world in fact the universe that has been unveiled to him being the smartest man in the room is no longer enough and he is scared to death of, the, of that fact Taking Stark away from all the trappings and distractions and letting him rediscover the drive he found in the caves of the first film and come back even stronger will make one hell of a journey. It'll be interesting to see how much of the extremist storyline stays in the movie and how big a part uh, Killian and Dr. Hansen play, hopefully without overloading the film. As a longtime Marvel fan, watching that chorus line of suits form up was amazing and I'd be digging back through old Iron Man runs. Wait, is that the deep sea armor? Oh my God, was that the Hulkbuster? (laughs) So there you go. Um... And uh, we had actually uh, Repstones t- talk about those things. He mistaked them, well, not he might mistake them for as people fighting Tony. And he was kind of, you know, 
come on, Marvel, you can't come up with a better thing. First, you have him fight himself twice, and now an army of him. But a couple of our other listeners kind of corrected him and said, I think that's his own group of, uh, yeah. you know, well, androids or as whatever. Don Cheadle says, you're the backup guy. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think it's it, it's pretty cool. Uh, and that line at the end, when he's, when he's talking to the cameras and he's talking about the revenge, you know, the, the straight up revenge, I think that's a, a great moment. I think it's going to be pretty pretty cool you know i i have no but like steve was saying i'm in for them I so think we're gonna have to put a little marker in the liner notes for when we stop talking about the trailer for those that aren't going to watch it well they can deal with it it's a trailer it's no spoilers the movie isn't even out yet we're not spoiling anything just saying they can deal with it um th- that's not a spoiler we're talking about a trailer <laughs> uh so uh a little other movie news um this is on the dc end uh after you know, there have been a lot of reports about them having trouble getting the JLA movie off the ground mm-hmm. and what what they were going to do. Uh, now, kind of in com- in conjunction, uh, they had screenings of Man of Steel, and the word leaked out that the movie is uh, pretty amazing. Uh, people calling it, you know, it's going to be the best movie of the summer. That's very obviously platitudes. They haven't seen other movies of the summer, but even though it looks very brooding in the trailers, that's more marketing than anything else. It does have brooding moments. Very very high action. Very hopeful. Uh, very exciting. Uh, uh, film and so off off of that we have heard rumors that uh, Christopher Nolan has now been reapproached about being the godfather of the DCU and that he is in fact going to do it uh, kind of with the caveat that he can direct and he'll have kind of free reign to do whatever he wants with his own projects and basically has a blank check to do whatever he wants with his personal stuff like the Inception type stuff and there was a rumor that Christian Bale might be reprising his role as Bruce Wayne slash Batman that has been slightly debunked uh, but again none of this has been even confirmed at all so the question is though Stephanie what would you think about Christian Bale coming back as Batman and Christopher Nolan kind of being the shepherd of this DC universe um I only caught a little bit of the question because my sound cut out for a second, but I'll answer like, is, I assume it's just for the Justice League? Well, it's just uh, Christopher Nolan is going to be taking, probably taking over uh, as kind of like the Joss Whedon or Mark Millar figure at DC, oh, okay. shepherd their universe, and Christian Bale may be coming back as Batman in the Justice League movie, although some sites have debunked that part of the rumor um, already. Okay, sorry. Um, anyways, you know what? I don't think that's a really great choice. Mm-hmm. I like Christopher Nolan. But his set of movies are a different feel for me than what the Justice League is really about and um, the DC movies in general. I mean, they have taken this dark turn and um, even the Superman Man of Steel movie looks like it's very Christopher Nolan-esque. But like the Avengers proved that fun wins mm-hmm. over, you know, serious. Mm-hmm. And... Well, I don't think there's necessarily room in the comic book movie world for, you know, them all to be fun. There needs to be movies that do take this world seriously for those who don't like just there just needs to be a variation. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think there's a place like, I mean, Christopher Nolan isn't known for his wacky sense of humor. (laughs) No, you know, it's just I think that there needs to be someone who has um, a wider array of. Uh, films under his belt that can kind of switch things up and to make um, decisions that don't necessarily involve every single DC movie being taken seriously. Do you know? Mm. What, do you know? What, not taken seriously, but just. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? With a dark tone. No, I You're do, talking I about dark. Yeah. Not yeah. Taken, they should all be taken I, seriously, but not so much have this somber. 
tone to them. Exactly. Christian Bale, I don't think, uh, whether it's debunked or not, I I feel like if they're going to do the Justice League movie, they need to do it. They didn't tie in Nolan's world into Justice League. They didn't leave that open for that, really. Mm -hmm. A little bit, but not really. And I don't think Christian Bale would be my ideal Batman for the Justice League world. Mm. Um, I'd like someone more, like, I don't know. I always thought John Hamm would be a good Superman, but even kind of something like him, but for Bruce Wayne, just this, uh, just the sophisticated billionaire. Cigarettes. You want more yeah. the yeah, cigarettes. Yeah. You want more <laughs> the James Bondish feel to the Batman rather than the very dark, brooding guy. Yeah, and I also like like the banter that like in some of the comics that like Superman and Batman mm-hmm. have and the Absolutely. snark they can have with each other. And I don't think Christian Bale is one for comedy really either. Not he in that voice. <laughs> kind of a dick. Imagine him talking like this to everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, guys. Huh, did you get that joke? Wonder Woman, you look good. <laughs> look, to me, they're already making Justice League dark. So what, we have Justice League dark and Justice League darker? Yeah. You know, that's, Whoa. Uh, I mean, to be fair, we have not oh. seen Man of Steel yet. Yeah. We don't know what exactly that's going to be. I feel we know it's going to be. Well, no, but I, I like I was it, saying, I don't know if the audio cut out when I was talking. I mean, it has screened and people have been saying it's not, it does not fill that dark tone that it, the trailers so, so much emphasize. It's okay. much more fun and big and open than that. Um, well, I, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait to see. When does this? When does Superman come out again? Uh, it's in June. June. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's hard to say when they haven't really announced any plans. Like, it's so mm. early to start yeah. kind of speculating on whether or not he will be, um, you know, the master of the universe, so to speak. <laughs> You shall be um, he, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, he doesn't seem like the right choice. He does epic, which we we yeah. all want to see epic. But I agree with you, Stephanie. I need, we need a slightly lighter character. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you can contract Christian Bale for sequels. I mean, he says he he, he has said kind of there and there that he would like the challenge of coming back to do it again. Well, I mean, from what I read, he said that so long as Nolan was involved, yeah, that he would, he would, you know, so long as he's on board, that yeah. he's on board as well. Right. That if he wasn't, mm-hmm. then he's not interested. Well, yeah, and this is part of that deal. Like, Nolan wouldn't be directing anything; he would be producing yeah. and kind of, you know, overseeing what happens. The only thing I'll say about yes, Nolan makes dark movies and he makes serious movies, and you know, even Inception is there's not a lot of levity in Inception. Mm-hmm. There's some, but there's not a lot. Uh, He's a smart guy, and you know, I, I think that he would—he's smart enough to know that not every property fits into his vision of what Batman was. Simply because he said many times he doesn't want to direct any other superhero movies because he his vision for Batman was his vision for Batman, and it's not—it's uh, not for everything. I don't think Nolan being the kind of uh, creative godfather of these movies is the main problem. My problem is uh, Christian Bale as Batman. I like Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne. I don't really like him very much as Batman. I don't like the voice. I, I also don't think that it, tonally it fits into Christian Bale's Batman does not fit to me into the world where an alien can fly and there's a guy with a ring that can project mm-hmm. things and a, a woman who's the, the, the daughter of a god and you know a guy who can run faster than light. Those things don't fit into that world. Um, 
even less, you know, a lot of people kind of said that a little bit about Iron Man compared to the other Avengers movies, how like he's a very technical hero and there's not, you know, that fantastic stuff doesn't really fit. But the tone of Batman and the, 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 the struggle to make everything as earnest as possible in those Nolan movies why wasn't Superman, we said this off mic, but why yeah. wasn't Superman helping out when the Gotham City was had a nuclear bomb in it? You know, where was the Flash? Where was the Green Lantern? So I don't think it fits into the world he's already created. If he wants to go forward and kind of birth the new world out of Man of Steel, I think that could work. But I don't think bringing Bale in with all that baggage would work. They could always potentially, I mean, Christopher Nolan, not so much, but Zack Snyder maybe depending on how Man of Steel does, yeah. he could be a great showrunner for this because he has that, he has a lot of serious movies, but he mm-hmm. also has that ability to make them fun too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Sucker I can't punch. really think. Yeah. What? Sucker Punch? I am one of the few people in this world that liked Sucker Punch. I two of, there are two of us sitting here. I think all here. of us here at the table actually really <laughs> liked that. Really? Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. well, Sucker yeah. Punch. I think Zack Snyder could potentially be that showrunner that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see him being able to pull off um, the DC's version of, you know, the Avengers. Mm-hmm. He definitely has that potential for me. I don't know if he would be my perfect choice. I can't really think of someone who would be my perfect choice. Maybe Edgar Wright or someone. <laughs> but he's doing Marvel stuff. He is doing he? Marvel yeah. stuff already. But, I mean, I, I don't know. He definitely fits the bill more to me than Christopher Nolan. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um Speaking of kind of Edgar Wright and the, the this next phase of Marvel movies, we actually got an email uh, from Luciano, um, and he said, just want to say hi, I've been really enjoying the show, it's great stuff as usual. Uh, my question is about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, they've now officially announced that Ant-Man will be getting his own film. Uh, to me, he has been a C-level character at best, and I would have never picked him to get his own film. All I can think is that Marvel has an Ultron story plan, and they want to introduce him this way. Uh, what are your thoughts? And he says, thanks, and say hi to Bob for me. <laughs> so hi, well, Bob. Thank you, Luciana. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. I think Ultron, as the he's the Avengers Doctor Doom mm-hmm. in, in so many ways, so that he has to show up somewhere. They've shown they're willing to do this. He's Henry Pym's son, mm-hmm. in essence, which also will bring us the vision down right. the road. I think it's it's necessary uh, Henry Pym was introduced as a nameless scientist who shrunk himself down and got hunted by ants, the man in the ant hill back in old tales of Astonish. Let's, let's, we can show him having a, a sort of scary story. He can make it fun as we move along as he controls ants and rides on their back and crazy stuff. And we, we end up with Henry and, and Jan and mm-hmm. really cool science fictiony stuff. Just what Edgar Wright will do beautifully well. Yeah. I, he is he is a C-level character. He's been treated badly by a lot of writers over the years, but when done well, mm. he's really a special character. I mean, for me, it, to me, it doesn't... I don't think any of these characters, whether they're A, B, C-level, D-level, whatever, I think it has anything to do with how good at characters they are. I just think, you know, that's their stature in the Marvel Universe. And for me, it begins and ends with Edgar Wright. Like, Stephanie mentioned about him taking over Justice League mm. or whatever. Like, I will see any movie Edgar Wright makes... And I will probably see it multiple times in the movie theater. You know, uh, his style and vision is just so singular and great. And I, I can't even imagine the cool stuff he's going to be able to do with the size shifts and the scale. You know, and we don't, we don't know what yet what Ant Man he's going to use. I've heard he's going to use both. He's going to use Pym and Lang oh. uh, in in some kind of way. But 
I, I think that there's such a great ability. And the cool thing about Hank Pym as a character, and I've said this a couple times, and you know, you get this really, if you watch that Avengers cartoon, you get this big time, is he's a superhero who doesn't really want to fight. You know, he doesn't want to fight anybody. He wants to help people and create things, and he kind of gets forced into this fighting. And um, I, I think it's a great tragic story as well. And I think, you know, if you find the great parts of a character, no matter how badly he's been treated and you get the right team behind it, I think you can knock it out. And if they do an Ultron story because they're doing an Ant-Man movie, that would be fantastic. So, I mean, that's my opinion on the whole Ant-Man thing. I'd rather, you know, I think it's cool to see them do characters that aren't high stature and make them high stature. Look, Iron Man mm-hmm. is now Iron Man, and it's yeah. a big deal. Iron Man was not yeah. Spider-Man, Fantastic Four. He was not. Right. He is now. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> he is. He's one of their top characters yeah. now, and he was never that. So you gotta, you know, let it kind of let it happen. Let the let the cool come. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy as let well. The cool come. Let the cool come. Yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is probably a D level set of characters. Yes. You know, nobody knows who they are. People Rocket like comic books don't know who they are. And I bet you that movie's gonna be badass. You know, so yeah. I can't wait for Squirrel Girl the movie. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I mean, Seven, you mentioned Edgar Wright. You know, doing Justice League. Are you excited about his Ant Man movie? Definitely. I mean, I don't really know Ant-Man as a character really well. Um, I mean, the only real experience I've had with him is watching Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Um, But I like the character from what I know. And Edgar Wright seems like the right person to bring it to life. He he seems like a big fanboy himself. Mm -hmm. So I, I just see him having a lot of fun with this franchise since there's not a lot of expectations for it. And he'll be able to take it a lot of places that um, he probably wouldn't be able to take a character like, oh, I don't know, Thor or the Hulk Mm -hmm. or anyone else. Because he's kind of getting this from in my mind, he's getting sort of a fresh slate to kind of breathe new life into this character to sort of mix weird metaphorical stuff yeah yeah well he's got an entire history to pick now whatever he wants yeah. from that nobody knows mm-hmm. what's what yeah i would like to see giant man yeah that would be very cool i mean that's i, I think they'll play with that too with all that yeah. scale i think that would be amazing uh steve do you want to chime in about uh ant-man movie <laughs> what else am i gonna say i don't know i'm just gonna be any other little kernels for us well i love that <laughs> what was that <laughs> um i love edgar wright mm. scott pilgrim uh, anything that he's done yeah. I mean what else well, Sean. Sean, Sean of the Dead, Dead is Hot one Fuzz. of my favorite movies yeah. Hot Fuzz um, I love the idea that he's doing Ant-Man because it's such a kooky left field character for him to be doing and knowing his style I mean just look at something like Scott Pilgrim yeah, and how just beautiful that movie is even I'm a big I'm a big fan of special effects um, I really, really enjoy when people like special effects for a while, for about 10 years were when they were introducing like green screen and they were doing superimposing things over, it looked kind of shitty mm-hmm. and things didn't look like they were really there. Uh, we've reached the point where you're right in there and the things look like they're happening on screen. Mm-hmm. And again, it's going to be 3d. Certain movies, 3D technology, and how much they could play with something like that. Like you said, size and scale, shrinking him down, making him... And the fact that he's also he's a scientist. And I love the idea of them having a character that is, you know... Th- a lot of these characters are intelligent 
in their own right, but I like the idea of having a science-based character aside from Banner where everybody's just waiting to see the Hulk. Yeah. People are going to have to get used to him being a scientist and, like you said, wanting to help the world and not really looking for a fight, Mm -hmm. but he's going to get one. Yeah. So, um, and um, they bring Wasp into it and they have, you know, a female lead. Uh, Could be some really, really awesome uh, romantic sequences and and things that to play with which is not always something that is done well Mm -hmm. in uh comic book movies green lantern for one i nearly threw up (laughs) it was terrible uh but stuff like with like tony and and pepper Potts Mm -hmm. for the the moments that they share on screen there's a lot going on between them and it's it's gorgeous and i would love to see that kind of chemistry and those kind of moments transfer over to the ant-man movie i think that that will get people's attention. Mm-hmm. And um, I also think people are going to see it anyway. Yeah. Because comic book movies are dominating mm-hmm. the box office. Yeah. And word of mouth will get around, like, oh, who who's Ant-Man? Mm-hmm. That you'll watch Ant-Man go from being a nobody to being on kids' T-shirts and shit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't think, for me, at least, way back when, like, the Rocketeer wasn't a well-known character mm-hmm. to me. But I love that movie, and I loved mm-hmm. that movies before movie before I read comics. Mm-hmm. So, you No, know. absolutely. Yeah. Well, an Ant-Man trailer, mm-hmm. where you, you could we could show that scale, show crazy things happening, the yeah. giant ants because he's little and, and play with that. <laughs> uh, a separate trailer that would be the flirty Jan romantic mm-hmm. stuff going on to a different audience, you know, to, to regular film goers, so to speak. Get you your could, girlfriend. <laughs> right. We, we, you could end up selling this movie to older folks mm. and us you know, comic book people. Well, I'm an older comic person. You could just tell them person, it's but... Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, in the same yeah. way that I was telling people The Incredibles was the Fantastic Four. All right. <laughs> um, really quick, just a couple more quick movie blips, and then we'll go back to actual comic books. Um, uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago uh, the rumor about the Planet Hulk stuff being mm. in the the next set of Marvel movies, and uh, Joss Whedon said that was nonsense. Yeah, that was a great quote. And he said it was a thousand percent inaccurate, and the, the, the reasoning behind it, they said it hurt me exactly. He says, look, we have Mark Ruffalo signed to an eight-picture deal. There's no Bruce Banner in Planet Hulk, you know, or in World War Hulk, so yeah. we're, we don't want to make An a movie. eight-picture deal? Yeah, they eight just appear- like, all eight, of them. eight appearances. Eight appearances. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I mean, that could be eight full movies if they wanted it to be. Right. But it, it's like, you know, all of them are signed to that. Like Samuel L. Jackson's like a 20 movie deal or something with <laughs> them to appear. And I've read recently, apparently, when you even screen test oh, yeah, for one of these, you sign a contract yeah. for appearance after appearance. Yeah, you sign a pre contract. So if, if they want you, they got you, and you have the contract ready, there's no big negotiation <laughs> that happens. Sweet. Um, the only person really outside of that is Downey, who gets a lot of money. But that's because he's the really the reason why this is all happening. Uh, we also heard that uh, uh, Chris Cooper is going to be playing Norman Osborn in Amazing Spider-Man Seriously? 2. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And they don't they don't think he's going to be Green Goblin in 2, but they think they're going to lay all those that, that groundwork. But he's, he's going to be in it as Norman. Isn't he a little old to get into no. the suit? Norman? No, for no. Norman? No, Norman's a like upper middle-aged guy. Chris Cooper, he's, a guy from American Beauty? Yeah. All right. He's, like, he's got to be Harry's father, so he's yeah. got to at least be in his 40s. Yeah, yeah but yeah. he just strikes me as older. Maybe it's just the roles I've seen him in. He's going to get his. He's always so grizzled. His super soldier and serum or whatever. Pouty. Yeah. 
and become all big and and crazy. But I, I think that's great. That's awesome. No, that's, I'm excited about uh, that. That's cool. uh, awesome, awesome casting for that. I don't know about Mary Jane. I saw pictures. I want to talk to you about this. <laughs> yeah, please. Because I, I, the the reaction on the internet to her pictures has really sickened me. The, the people have been like, people have been so fixated on a picture of her walking between scenes. With like her hair not done and her makeup not on, this girl is beautiful. Look at pictures of her; she's gorgeous. She doesn't strike me as a Mary Jane. What? She doesn't look like a big busted model. No, I just <sighs> look. I the, uh, those pictures, admittingly, those are the ones that I saw. She looked like she just rolled out of bed, which she probably did. Yeah. But I don't like I I don't like the contours of her face. It doesn't it doesn't fit the image. For me, that, but that's ridiculous. No, dude, it's just an opinion. I know, but like, she's a person, dude. <laughs> she's a fucking person, you know. <laughs> Calm down. It just bothers me. There was like all this stuff on the internet, like commenters being like, "If we could fix her face, maybe I'd be happy oh, about her being Mary awful. Jane." Like, it's just like it reminds me of the Hunger Games thing when people were like, "She's too fat to play Katniss." Like, she's oh, a person. Ridiculous. She's a beautiful person, and. You she can no- say fuck off and won an Oscar, asshats. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Shine Woodley has been nominated for an Oscar. She's fantastic in The Descendants. Um, she's a great actress. And I think that she's going to hold her own exceedingly well in that movie. And I think people calling her out for a, a, a picture of her, a candid picture of her walking between like a her trailer and probably the makeup person, I think is ridiculous. And to be fair, who didn't you like in the first Amazing Spider-Man? Who, the answer me? is no one. Everyone yeah. was freaking awesome. <laughs> What's your point? He's just saying she's like trust, trust, trust the, cast, the, yeah. the casting. That's what she's saying. Yeah. I'm just saying that she doesn't fit the image that I that I have for Mary Jane. That's all I said. I get you that. I get that. But I think that people are are being ultra critical for a, a character that's drawn as like you know the like supposed to be like the pe- the peak of human beauty. I, you can't find a person who looks like that who can act. Who can act? Yeah. If you yeah. want Kate Upton to be Mary Jane, that that's fine, but she's gonna suck. You know, so I'd rather have somebody awesome. I don't know. I mean, who that look is. what fucking January Jones did for X Men First look, Class. This, Spoilers, it's nothing. This is my this is my problem with movies, and this is my problem when we do castings. I don't pay attention to actors and actresses. I don't. I don't know who anybody is, what anybody's been in. Nothing. So when you tell me that she's amazing, she probably is. I have never seen anything with her in it. I don't know who she is. I understand that. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's uh, there was a lot of meanness on the internet about her. I wasn't mean about it. Just at first glance, I said, that I know. doesn't look like Mary Jane. And I don't think oh, what you said, what you said on Twitter, sorry, was, was mean. I'm just saying, like, in general, it was like a whole, it was like a din of meanness from the whole internet. Oh. What'd you say, Stephanie? I said he's always mean. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, uh, you got me. The other casting I will be a little bit mean about, but more because of uh, uh, per- past performance than looks, is Halle Berry being recast in X Men. It was going to happen. They're recasting. Ev- they're bringing everybody yeah. back, but she's so, not good. So she can do her uh, Michelle Rodriguez in every movie stare. <laughs> she, she's uh, not good in the X Men movies. Previous X Men movies. Maybe this will be no. different, but I doubt it. She is. She, for whatever it's all worth, she did win an Oscar she once, did. and she's been good in things. I'm right. not saying she hasn't been good in things. And then but she it's like people who video. you know suck at stuff don't ever win Oscars. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> Natalie. Portman. It's like Natalie Portman in 
you know, uh, the Star Wars movies. She's horrible yeah. in those movies. Everything else she's in, she's fantastic in them. So so maybe the reverse will be true here. Maybe. Uh, I'm just hoping. Uh, did you, wait, did you call James Cameron awful? Hold on a second. What? Did, what? Did, Stephanie, did you call James Cameron awful? You will never know. <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I <coughs> Storm has got a very big role in that story, Days mm-hmm. of Future Past. Yeah, she does. I'm just hoping that she brings her a game mm-hmm. because storm Agreed. is a very very big yes, character in that and i hope that she does more than what she did in the previous movies because she was not good in mm-hmm. those movies she's not no and mm-hmm. i understand wanting to keep you know the same faces and the same players in in place but i still say that they could have done with a recasting on that mm-hmm. i also agree because i mean to me this is a, i mean it's not a different universe entirely but this is a different take on it and i don't think storm had a place be well no not storm storm has a place in the movie not halle berry though right. halle berry can like piss off the only problem is that they just have been bringing back everybody so to not bring back halle berry would seem weird there's a different storm it would or seem people weird. would just be like fucking thank god well yeah I just, no i'm just <laughs> saying like but for his also who knows about personal relationships but if she was like, hey, Brian, how come everybody else is back except yeah. for me? Because you <laughs> suck. suck. Yeah. Because I just hope that she does terrible. more than just, you know, having half emotional moments with characters and then cocking her head yeah. to the side. Her eyes yeah. go white and she just stares at the camera. Yeah. And then there's effects and that's all she has yeah. to do. I want Alan coming back in the in the movies. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Too. There's a lot more for Storm to do this time. So yeah. maybe the script will... Mm-hmm. Get to her in a way yeah. that the little bits and pieces of toad humor didn't. Yeah, possibly. Uh, uh, to be fair to her, she is happen. better in X Men Two than she is in the first one, but that's not saying very much. No. Um, Remember that time she was in Catwoman? Yeah, that movie's just. But that movie's oh, bad for why you. Have a to, to Z, that. you know. That movie. Proving a point that she has no place in superhero movies. She should actually be banned from superhero movies I, alone for Catwoman. Not, not even, even bringing Storm into this. I was in uh, Wallbaum's of the Shaw food store that we have here, and I saw her in one of those red box deals on a straight to straight to video movie. Yeah, some oh, like Car- Caribbean bullshit <laughs> thing. And Stephanie was, reviewed that one. Yeah, I had to review that. Oh, it's my. horrible. Yeah, I was like, oh like wow, like now you can join seen. Cuba Gooding Jr. in the fucking straight to DVD bin. Yeah. Daddy Daycare Four. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. So moving on from that, we'll the we, wetening. Um, <laughs> we did have. Uh, we talked about the Emerald City, and there there was uh, some news that came out of that. Um, we said before, uh, Gail Simone is going to be writing a uh, Red Sonia yes. yeah. uh, book which should be really, really cool. A character that I've never cared about, but now we'll at least pick up a number one issue to see how it goes. Um, certainly will be a change from the way she looks, I'm guessing, now in in those books. But we will see about that. Um, uh, Ray Fox, who is writing uh, Constantine with Jeff Lemire and is also writing Just League Dark with Jeff Lemire, is going to be writing uh, a Pandora ongoing series called Trinity of Sin Pandora. For those who don't know who Pandora is, she's the character at the end of right. Flashpoint who kind of makes the new 52, basically, and has been in Phantom Stranger. Uh, they're actually renaming Phantom Stranger Trinity, Trinity of Sin Phantom Stranger. Uh, the third in that group is The Question, so hmm. I'm going to assume we're going to be getting a question book uh, at some point uh, during one of these you know, replace books that have been canceled. Which question, I wonder? I think it's the male okay. question. I believe that's the character that's in the uh, the Phantom Stranger book. I can't remember. I mean, I read the, the first two issues, I think, but it's so out of my head right now. Gotcha. I don't think it's Renee uh, Montoya, which does suck because uh, uh, her, her stuff and the detective backups, the Ruckus yeah. stuff was, was great. 
Uh, Ray Fox is a cool writer, though. I, I've been enjoying Justice League Dark, and uh, I, uh, there is a preview of Constantine in this week's uh, yeah, or last week's DCs. It was good. I thought it, I thought it, it felt it felt different than Justice League Dark, but it did feel like Constantine. So he's, I'm excited about that. He's super nice. I actually talked to him briefly about his Batgirl issue. Oh right, yeah. He's I forgot about that. He's doing a two issue Batgirl thing. And he was just really cool about it. Like he's just kind of like you know. Gail's thing was Gail's thing. I was never going to be able to live up to her legacy on that. So I tried to do something different so that the fans would have something separate to associate me with as opposed to what Gail does. Mm -hmm. And I really admire someone who kind of just like knows their limitations and tries to work with that. Know your place. He just seems to um, have a really solid head on his shoulders for what he needs to write in order to be a good writer. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, Pandora has been a character I've been very interested in uh, reading about since that whole thing happened. And I, I kind of wanted to see her get her due. Cause I think it could be a very cool new addition to the universe and help tie the universe together as well. Indeed. Uh, also, um, we got news that uh, Matt Kent is going to be writing a backup in JLA that does the origin of Martian Manhunter. So mm-hmm. I think much like what happened with Justice League for about, I think it was nine or ten issues where they did uh, the Captain Marvel backups, uh, they're going to be doing the same thing with uh, um, Captain Marvel, Shazam, Captain Marvel, not uh, obviously uh, Carol Danvers, <laughs> Captain Marvel. Uh, they're doing the same thing with Martian Manhunter, and Matt Kent is pretty awesome, so that should yes, be cool is. to see. Um, and I liked Martian Manhunter's appearance in uh, JLA. So. Pretty creepy. I also really enjoyed the news about... Um Little Gotham coming to print. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dustin Wynn's adorable comic. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the official Jail 8 kind of thing. And I don't know. It's different. It's way different than that. But yeah, it's it's, it's not so as, fantastic. It's not as it's not totally all ages, though, right? It's 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 got more of a or is it a all ages book? I don't even know. I believe it's all ages. Okay. I read the first one. And mm-hmm. from what I remember, it's been a little while since uh I checked it out, but from what I remember, it's all ages, so... Cool. Uh, they do them seasonally, right? They do them for different holidays. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's going to be a theme thing for now. I remember he mentioned it on the panel, but I kind of forget. Way to go. <laughs> Shut up! Way to go, And it Stephanie. wasn't taking notes? <laughs> Record it! <laughs> um, I was doing stuff whatever was... not like you were working all right shut up all right here she we go. was stalking bruce tim yeah she was stalking bruce tim <laughs> with she her germs sneezing on bruce tim scott snyder met him for i think the first time and he had a little geek out <laughs> it was cute that's awesome from what i hear i didn't like you know stalk you, were you were stalking you were Come on. yeah I didn't. i'm pretty sure like i don't In i saw scott with like a doodle so i think uh bruce might have did like a little sketch for him oh nice i know he loves bruce tim so uh, speaking of that, he talked about the future of Batman and he said issues 19 and 20 are going to be his ode to the Batman animated series. Very big, fun adventure romps, uh, you know, very self-contained stuff. And then starting with issue 21 starts his next big thing, 11 issue long story arc. This one is completely standalone. There's no tie-ins, does not filter out to any other part of the DCU. So it's just going to be in Batman proper. Nice. For the, yeah. about a, it's going to be a year worth of Batman books, uh, which is very, very exciting. Um, awesome. uh, uh, James Tinian spoke a little bit about taking over Red Hood and how he's really excited about it because he's got 
basically I'm going to do three different books in one book. He's got kind of like the big space opera stuff with Starfire. He's got the more kind of, um, you know, street level uh, weapons based tactical stuff with Arsenal. And he's got the haunted character in Jason Todd. Uh, and he's going to be bringing back uh, Cheshire for the first time in the New 52, who was uh, Arsenal, Roy Harper's former lover. They had a baby together in the old oh. continuity. So that's a new thing there. Um, Nightwing is moving to Chicago. Uh, and uh, Kyle Higgins is going to really kind of, he wants to turn Chicago into a, a staple of the DCU and kind of create Nightwing's like legacy and the true first really big Nightwing alone you know, story in Chicago all that stuff. So when does that start? Uh, it should be starting with the next issue. I it might have, or maybe two issues, considering that uh, we have a, uh, you know, issue eighteen is all the Bat books deal with what happens in Batman Inc. Number eight. So right. uh, I assume probably nineteen or so it, it would do that. Um, I don't want. I don't want to talk about. Well, we're going to talk about the the whole uh, the whole Batman Inc. stuff later. Uh, so I mean, that's stuff that really came out uh, on the DC panel. Uh, really quick. Um, when the Marvel panel, they were talking about Marvel now, and Mark Wade uh, was speaking about Inchoctable Hulk, and someone kind of called him out about continuity in, in the books and about how he feels like what he's doing in Inchoctable Hulk is kind of taking away continuity or ruining continuity. Um, and he said that, you know, every this is a paraphrasing a little bit, he said, you know, everybody's golden age of Marvel is different for, for everyone. Uh, you know, the trick is sticking to the character, the cores of the character, the core concepts of the character, and moving out from there. And that's a big part of what Marvel now is. I mean, Bob, this is echoing something you've said yeah. a bunch. Well, considering I wrote down the same quote you did yeah. even beforehand, mm-hmm. this is exactly what it's about. And it's why when you, you're reading Daredevil mm-hmm. or the Green Hornet that's going to come or the Rocketeer previously or Steed and Mrs. Peel, for mm-hmm. goodness sakes, this is a guy who finds that core, understands it, wades through, pun intended, all, <laughs> all the old books, <laughs> And figures out what is it that makes them who they are. That's mm-hmm. that on-model thing, and he's the best at it right mm-hmm. now. So nice to see that in print. They should make T-shirts of that and, and hand them out in the offices. <laughs> and uh, a little bit of uh, bad news. Uh, Brian Wood's uh, X-Men is being delayed uh, six weeks. No! Yeah. It was supposed yeah. to come out on April 17th. It's now coming out on May 29th. No! Yeah. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> Didn't really say why. In the meantime, guys, you have approximately 800 other X-Men books to read. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that was the one I was going to buy, though. <laughs> I was really looking forward to that. Yeah. Says well, the one reading, like, all the other X-Men books. Damn right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's uh, uh, that's all the news I have. I mean, if there's any stories they picked out? No? Well, this one time I got lost in the woods and Bob I married a bear. Yeah. Uh, Dark Horse says Ghost will be ongoing. Yes, but not... Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not sure who's on it yet. Mm-hmm. We're still a couple of months out, and there's going to be some appearances of all the old uh, Dark Horse Heroes Greatest Worlds in some sort of little anthology first. What's going on with the one that was with Kelly Sue? Is that, oh, is that over? Next week, one more. Ah, uh, I thought so. Yeah. All right. Very, very cool. Um, let's do a couple listener questions. We're kind of running long, but I, I, you know, I promise we do some listener questions. So let's pick out a couple. Stephanie, why don't you hit us with some? Um, so I think the one that a couple of you guys already saw and prepared for is from RC Carol 31, who said, hearing the brief what if discussion last week when I wasn't on the show, had me wondering (laughs) what what if stories would you guys want to see? Steve? Yeah. I I know you, I know you were excited. (laughs) 
Let me just pull it up on my phone. I got a, I got a couple right here. Um, I want there to be a... Um, damn it, wrong note. Here we go. Okay. Marvel Vacations. I want a, a <laughs> what-if book is if everybody... like Kind of like how Hawkeye is... like These are the things that Hawkeye is doing when mm-hmm. he's not part of the Avengers. Right. I want a book that focuses... And I don't know who the characters would be, but just I love the the day off books. There are some of my favorite issues of just, we're not fighting anything. We're just doing anything. You know, Johnny storm is moving in with Spider-Man and it's just, you know, chaos ensues. It's hilarious. So I don't know, put them at a a resort or something Mm -hmm. and going with that in mind. um, What if you took some of the Marvel characters and put them into either movies or television shows? Um, quite possibly an issue where they got stuck in the TV and some like, you know, slob is sitting on his couch and he's, uh, clicking around the channels and for each channel that he changes, they're stuck on a certain television show, uh, saved by the bell or some crap like (laughs) that. I think that'd be hilarious. Um, and I had one more, uh, what, okay. A a Thor or Asgardian based, uh, issue where Thor finds out that all of the ale within the nine realms is gone. So all gone flat. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's the the search for alcohol mm-hmm. with Thor. I think that would be hilarious. So those awesome. are my, cool. I these are very, you know, spur of the moment things. And I also had Marvel role reversal where the heroes are the villains and the villains are the heroes. I don't know. Yeah. So okay. very well, standard fare. Go ahead, Steph. I think another fun one would be um <clears throat> And maybe this has been done before and I just haven't read it, but you see a lot of like cosplay and a lot of fan art that revolves around um, gender swapping. Mm-hmm. And oh, I think it would be, be kind of funny. You beat me if, to that one. Pardon? You beat me to that one. Go. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go for it. I think it would be kind of funny to see a complete like gender swap thing and just kind of like Batman as Wonder Woman be like, how the hell does she wear this? <laughs> or just, you know, just kind of play off that kind of. Not a sexism in comics, but, you know, the men kind of being in the... Well, you know what I mean. The Hawkeye Initiative. I can't wait to see the poses. Yeah, that's what we want. Well, they have that that fan art where they were like, what if um, the male characters were posed like the female characters? (laughs) They're so funny. And then there's the Hawkeye Initiative, too. It's hysterical. Um, But yeah, I think those would be super great. Uh, Marvel Prom Night, I think would be hilarious. Well, my favorite goofy one they did years ago during Assistant Editor's Month. Uh, what if Aunt May fought Galactus? <laughs> you know, I'd like to see that again, you know, just for fun. Um, how about what if AVX didn't happen? Would be... Oh, thank God. <laughs> we have a lot of I good lo- books. I already live in that world. We have a lot of good books that came out of that. So whether or not... That's 12 issues of whatever. All the Most of the Marvel Now stuff coming out of that is really, really good. So I, I'll just say that. Um but if anything that's else, it. Bob? No, that's it. Okay, cool. Uh, Stephanie, hit us up with something else. All right, let's see what else we got. What else we got? Um, so, uh, since we don't haven't really talked about video games for a little while that I'm aware of, maybe I can I talk about a video show. game right now. <laughs> Pardon? Tomb Raider. We don't have time for you to go off on Tomb Raider. Yeah, Tomb Raider. Okay. Yeah, so good. Quiet. It's so fucking good. Brandon Boone, shut up. <laughs> Brandon Boone wants to know uh, our thoughts on the Injustice video games or the comics. Uh, I haven't read the comics yet. They've, uh, from all I've heard, they're very interesting and, and a lot better than a lot of people thought they were going uh, to be. The game seems very cool to me. 
you know, the story in uh, the last Mortal Kombat game was actually uh, definitely the best story I've ever played in a fighting game. A very interesting, cool take on a way to tell this ridiculous big story. Uh, And I've seen some trailers for Injustice, specifically the the Aquaman trailer, where it kind of shows his place in the story. That really got me excited about checking it out. I'm not a big fan of the character designs or the costumes, because I think they look like the 90s have gone crazy. But... Other than that, because it's totally outside of continuity, the, the idea is like it's a total side story. It's mm. what it's kind of a what if story. What okay. if this happened? What if all these bad things happened to create this thing where they, all these heroes were doing all this this stuff? Uh, but I'm I, I, I'm really excited to see. There's a thing where the Superman like punches somebody into space. That's pretty awesome. So I'm <laughs> excited to see that. Yeah. I um I would probably need to see more more about it. I mean, I left the Mortal Kombat franchise after Mortal Kombat two. I, I, I would check it. Like you said that you might pick it up and if you're going to be playing it, I would, I would check it out, but I am of the negative. I absolutely despise the Mortal Kombat, um, fighting engine. I don't like it. It's very stiff. The characters don't, uh, move well when they jump. They just, they're, they, they're all, everybody has to tuck and roll when they jump and, the button, the the way that you pull off the combos, it's so specific and so precise. And some people would say that that's skill, but it annoys me. Not, I'm not a button masher, but I like to have a little bit more fluidity to my combos, like the quarter circle forwards, things like that. Um, and just the art design, like you said, I just I don't care for the the characters don't look good to me. I don't know. I I don't. I, what you said about the the plot that has me a little bit more interested. I didn't know that like they have real writers on this thing and it's actually like a fleshed out thing mm-hmm. instead of real it, writers. Well, you know what I mean. Like it, you know, With words seasoned writers. I suppose I <laughs> yeah. would say. Um, so that has. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I'm I'm hitting on a little bit. My my. My fighting games are the Dead or, Alive, Dead or Alive series. Dead or Alive 4 is my favorite fighter uh, and Power Stone. Those are my two fighters. Um, anything else aside from like Marvel versus Capcom, I just, it loses me. Mortal Kombat has just always felt very stiff to me and I don't care for it. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, what about you? I don't know. I don't know that much. I've seen like little um, clips of the game from like being at like the DC booth and such, but. Um, I don't know. From what I saw, it didn't really catch my interest, to be mm-hmm. honest. It looked a bit too Mortal Kombat-y to me. Well, it's going to be very Mortal Kombat-y. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm, it's like I I love video games. And most video games, if I suck at it, I will play until I'm fucking good at it. <laughs> but Mortal Kombat and me are just not friends. I like, gotcha. I love it but I'm so bad at it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not, that's not to say that it won't be completely the same, but it just doesn't, it's like, Oh, well, I'm going to suck at that one. But <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's, it just doesn't, I, I thought that it was going to be something else. And it, to me, it seemed more like God of war esque from, I don't know the uh, title. It's very much a fighting game. <laughs> but what? It's, it's very much a fighting game. Yeah, me. <laughs> That's all, me. Well, when yeah. you get it, I'll try it, and maybe, maybe it'll, it'll, uh, I'll be swayed. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Stephanie uh, said it better than I did. <laughs> Stephanie, head us up with another question. 
All right. Let's see. So, Gerald Dempier, one, wants to know, what do you guys think of the cancellation of the books that you wanted to try but never got around to? So, he, like, gave examples like Static Shock or Blue Beetle and stuff, but, I mean, we could even probably... Well, it could be anything. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think it's an interesting question because I feel like when books... I don't know if I ever want a good book to get canceled, but I almost get excited when a book has a short run because I know I can you know consume it all and, and take it over. And that's the thing about comics too is it got canceled and that sucks, but you always have the ability to go back and check that stuff mm-hmm. out. Right. So I don't really lament not reading a series when it was on the shelves because I can always go back. But then what happens? You read it and say, oh, you, you picked up Defenders after yeah. it was gone. You yeah. say, oh, I'd like to see more of that. So you get that Absolutely. sort of anxiety yeah. about mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. I think that what happens a lot of time with books like that is those writers, when they go to other books, kind of take up that mantle and will often bring those characters in to their other mm-hmm. books and, and work them in and work those themes in. I mean, you know, you, you know, you look at, you know, Fraction was writing Immortal Iron Fist. That got canceled. He brought Iron Fist into Defenders, which also got canceled, which maybe that's saying something. But uh, <laughs> No more Iron Fist. Yeah, you get a repeat of those characters. I hope that's not true because I love Iron Fist. Yeah. But uh, what about you, Steve? Um, let me see. Well, the only thing that I, uh, off the top of my head that I can think of is Frankenstein agent of shade. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a, it was a satisfying end. I thought mm-hmm. it was very, you know, this is what they were. This is what they do. And now they're out there and yeah. they're, they're going to be doing their thing. There's still some of this, there's some of this team left and they ended it on a high note. I mean, it almost seemed like it was the beginning of a new arc, which is kind of strange, but like that last page where they're all like, you know, they're all grouped together and they're all giving their battle faces. It got me excited. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that I'm going to see at least Frankenstein. He's in, you know, Justice League Dark now yeah. and things like that. I know that these characters are going to be popping up. Um, but I don't you, I haven't found that I've gotten too sore about any cancellations yet. Um, Except for I Vampire. No, not even that. Really? I haven't. I haven't read it. I read oh, the I first. You did read it. No, I read like the first like six or seven issues. I really enjoy, enjoyed it when it's done because I know it's ending. I'm gonna read the whole thing in one shot from beginning to end. Um, but uh, I know that there's always something to replace it. There's always something else. And to be honest, with as many books as I collect, as many series as I buy, the idea of something ending, so long as they end it well and they send it off on a high note. I'm really okay with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there hasn't been anything yet that I've just been like, oh my God, no. So, mm-hmm. you cool. know, I don't know. No, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Um, Stephanie, did you have anything? Um, uh, I had a thought and it just kind of completely went away. Stephanie Brown, Batgirl? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I, I, I would have loved more of that. Mm-hmm. I would have loved more of it. But, I mean, it didn't happen. And I'm – a lot of people are at this point where they're like, bring her back. Mm. Let's face it, guys. She's not coming back. DC hates her. She is dead. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, she's dead. She is dead. Accept it. I would like to not accept it, but I'm, I'm going to. Anyways, but <laughs> it, there's a stigma, I think, around certain canceled comics. Um, when something gets canceled, like – I don't know, the two examples that were given, Static Shock and Blue Beetle, it's like, oh, that must have been not been very good. And I don't think they were very good from what I heard, but it doesn't really add to my want to check them out. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, there are lots of titles that are like 
the Arrested Development of comics. Right. <laughs> and that I do want to still check out and that I've heard good things about. But um, I don't know. I'm with you, Bobby, in the sense that it partially gets me like super, super excited. And then and other times it's just kind of like, well, I'll get around to it eventually. There's not like I need to catch up with it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I don't know. I can't think of anything other than what you've mentioned to kind of, you know, that I, well, Runaways too, I guess. Mm. I can't wait for the announcement next week that Batgirl Stephanie Brown's coming back. (laughs) Um, I feel like that's probably not happening. In the Runaways, too. Yeah, in the Runaways. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) together at last. With I Vampire. Yeah, and And Static Shock. Yeah, and Iron Fist. So there you go. Uh, So I want to close that with two quick things in an email. uh, Two emails we got. This is from Ryan, and he actually put the syllables to say his last name, uh, Ivashu. Ivashu, I probably said it wrong. Anyway, um, he's love the he loves the podcast, and he has a very simple question: um, Why did the DC New Fifty Two happen? I think he's asking in as far as canon. Uh, he says, "Not canon." He says, I don't mean why did DC decide to launch New Fifty Two, but instead within the DC universe, why did the New Fifty Two occur? Uh, it's Flashpoint. Mm. I mean, Flashpoint mm. is what sets that all in motion. It's a it's a it's an event. I think it was six issues or something uh jeff johns wrote it uh it's available in trade uh you can get that pretty easily and that that is the last thing that happens in the old dcu i have it digitally i don't have a physical copy of it um it's the last thing that happens before the 50 52 launches but we shouldn't spoil it no no it's it's a really actually it's a really entertaining mini series um and there's some really cool offshoots to it too it's like uh it's kind of it's kind of almost like Elseworlds story. It's, it's you know Dick Grayson's parents don't die, so there's a uh, a flying Gra- Dead Man and the Flying Graysons one, and there's a Scott Snyder actually a Superman story that Scott Snyder wrote for that as well. Oh. Um, and some very very cool stuff there. So definitely check that out uh, if you're looking for the reason for the new Fifty Two. Uh, and we'll close it out. This is from Lenice, and she said uh, she recently just downloaded the podcast. And currently listening to older episodes, but so far she's loving it. Oh no! Uh, so far, I, uh, I don't like the sound of that. No, 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 no. Uh, this was, and this was sent out. By the way, this was sent out uh, uh, yesterday. By the way, she said she, today she bought her first book ever. Oh. Uh, walked in the store to buy cereal, and they had books displayed. She got <laughs> Justice League of America number one, uh-huh. Wonder Woman seventeen, uh, and Mighty Avengers number seven, uh, Thor and Spider Man versus the Enchantress. Uh, she was, I'd like to have got number ones but they, but of them, but they, didn't, they, but they weren't there. Uh, she was wondering thoughts and suggestions. Uh, she said, sad to say, I know only movie versions of things, but I want to learn more, especially about female characters. Since I'm a 20-year-old girl, I get inspired by the heroism. It's a bright light in the busy world of work and school and home that I juggle. So thank you so much for writing in. That's great yeah. uh, to hear that you're, you've jumped on buying comics. Um, and I would say first, don't say it's how they only know the movie stuff. That's great. The movie stuff is really good and gives you yeah. a really good primer, I think, to finding your way into these books. Um, I mean, we talk about this a lot, uh, but it never, it never hurts to say it again. Books that people can, can grab uh, right now. Um, see if you got Saga. Yeah. The first trade of Saga, nine ninety nine on Amazon, mm. maybe even less than that. Um, a fantastic uh, Romeo and Juliet sci-fi adventure huge universe gorgeous art uh top-notch writing Mm -hmm. it is a very um it's a good series to invite you into what comics can be as Mm -hmm. far as how big they can go it's a great great story Uh, yeah just quickly there's look it up on 
offline because I'm sure lots of people took photos of them. But there was an amazing cosplay of um, Marco Alana and I oh, saw it. Oh my god! What's it was her so good. name? What's the babysitter's name? Uh, give me a second. I always call her the babysitter. <laughs> uh, the ghost girl. Is it, Anyways, Isabel. Isabel. Yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Please look it up, or I'll try and find the photo to post on the like a blog post. I took a photo somewhere, but they were amazing. They would have been people. I would have cast in a movie for it. They were perfect. I saw them uh, on um, Fiona Staples' Instagram. Mm-hmm. She uh, she posted ah. that. That's great. Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, no, that's great. I, I, I will say uh, Hawkeye is a great book to grab on because mm-hmm. most issues are kind of self-contained. Mm-hmm. And even though it doesn't star uh, titular or female character, Kate Bishop, the other Hawkeye, is a fucking awesome character. Uh and she's in, also in Young Avengers, which is a, also a pretty good book to jump onto in that point, too. Uh, because it ties into the movie, the last, the Kelly Sue DeConnick run of Avengers Assemble. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which gets you that, that the movie vibe of the Avengers, even though we all love what Hickman's doing with New Avengers and Avengers. It's a mm-hmm. much deeper kind yeah. of storyline, yeah. which is still worth reading, but yeah. way off that. Once she's read Avengers Assemble, she want to read Captain Marvel. Yeah, read Captain Marvel. Absolutely. Um. And then I'll just throw in, because we just spoke about it, Stephanie Brown Batgirl by Brian Q. Miller. Yeah. Because it's seriously self-contained. Um, if you have any questions about what the hell is going on, you can skip ahead, I think, to like... And this is only for this issue, because in the issue of, like I think, number 12, I believe, there's this like five-page chart of everything that happens yes. <laughs> before Stephanie Brown takes over as Batgirl. So good. And it's phenomenal and Mm. her story is so wonderful and she's it's probably and this is a really bold statement because there's a lot of great female characters out there nowadays um but it's probably the best self-contained run um of any female character Mm. uh yeah and you also get a good a really good dose of of barbara in that book Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. Uh, it's really hard to find in trade. They're really expensive. Yeah. But you can probably get back issues and you can definitely get it on Comixology or somewhere. Yeah, you definitely can. Uh, definitely check that out. So those are just, those are just a couple of suggestions. They're just, you know, a ton. And uh, I'd say this, it says a lot, don't be afraid. You'll learn quickly in comic books that you can you can pick up an issue and you won't know what's going on. But if you give it a couple of issues, most of the time you'll be able to catch on. Go back and read a Wikipedia entry about the history of a character. Like you're not going to be able, unless you have all the time in the world or a lot of disposable income, you're not going to have that to go back and read all of these books. Um, you know, if you want to know what's going on with Wonder Woman or with Batgirl, read a Wikipedia about it, get caught up on the details. And then as you go along, if you want to buy other books, you want to buy trades, that's fine. But Ooh. you know, just be able be willing to go for a ride. Batwoman. And if you're going to, Batwoman, yes. Oh, and if you're going to head to, a comic book store, you know, transition to there. Um, make sure you're picking some place that's friendly to you. Don't yeah. put up with a store that's going to give you guff about mm-hmm. being a woman and trying to check into comics and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Just Absolutely. find a place mm-hmm. that makes you feel comfortable. That's going to help you enjoy the experience and don't feel ashamed to not go back to a place if they're going to not treat you properly. Yeah. And make Agreed, sure you yeah. and don't be afraid to ask either. If, if they're going to like Stephanie said, if they're going to be mean to you because you ask, about comics that are on the shelves and what order to read them in and what this means and what that means, then you shouldn't be going to that store. Right. You wouldn't put and up if, with that in a real bookstore. Yeah, no. And don't if like, you have any questions at all that you don't feel comfortable asking them, we're always more than willing to give you the information you need to go into the shop yeah. and yeah. just say, this is what I need. Show me where to find it. 
we are always willing to help you out with that. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So that's it um, uh, for our listener questions. We got, we got still got a bunch in the bank. A bunch of people emailed us as well. We got more Facebook ones. We got more Twitter ones. We're definitely going to get to them. Uh, possibly next week, maybe we'll just do a listener show. Uh, but thank you guys so much. Uh, and thank you guys also, all the listeners and readers who send in stuff for Talking Comics uh, Presents. Got some really great stories. This guy sent us this great story about him and his daughter reading My Little Pony. Yeah, that was great. It's like amazing. Like It almost made me cry reading it when I got the email. Um, Sorry, Steve. I just want to remind people uh, that at the end of the show, we are going to be doing the yes. uh, the Batman Inc. talk. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, and um, we are going to be talking about spoilers. Yeah. But if you wait till uh, after the outro music, we mm. will be doing that. Absolutely. Stephanie, you're going to say something? I was just about to say Katie Cook. So awesome. I'm oh, picking she? up cool. a ton of her little originals. Mm. And awesome. she's just fantastic. That's, that's if you great. go to a convention, so buy stuff good. for her. She gives away original <laughs> art for $5. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's that's great. All right, cool. So uh, this was on shelves uh, right now. Uh, Adventure Time with Fiona and Cake, number three. Yay. Uh, Fairy Quest, number two of two. Yes. Uh, Hypernaturals, number nine. Planet of the Apes Cataclysm, number seven. From Dark Horse Comics, we have 47 Ronin, number three. Blood Sea, volume one. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Willow Wonderland, number five of five. <gasps> Ooh. Uh, Colder, number five of five, which I've read it, which is uh, great. I'm really sorry that I didn't that I missed that. But it's you know the trade will probably be out soon. It's a it, it's a great thing to read all in the chunk. Hellboy in Hell number four. Yes. Uh, we have um, Star Wars Dark Times Fire Carrier number two, uh, and uh, that is it from DC. We have um, Animal Man number eighteen. Animal Man. We have Batwing number eighteen. Before Watchmen Rorschach number four. Uh, Detective Comics, uh, number 18. Dial H, number 10. Earth 2, number 10. Uh, Ferris, number 13. <laughs> Green Arrow, number 18. Yeah. Green Lantern, number 18. Yeah. Human Bomb, number 4. Insurgent, number 3 of 6. Uh, Legends of the Dark Knight, number 6. Lot 13, number 5 of 5. Yes. Phantom Stranger, number 6. Um, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, number 31. Uh, we have... Uh, Smallville season 11, number 11. We have Stormwatch number 18. Superman uh, number 17. Superman Family Adventures number 10. Yay. Swamp Thing number 18, which is Scott Snyder and Yon Paquette's last issue. Yes. And uh, World's Finest number 10. Yay. Woohoo. Uh, from Dynamite Entertainment, we have Dark Shadows number 14. Kevin Smith's Bionic Man number 17. Vampirella number 27. Vampirella Strikes number 3. And Warlord of Mars Deja Thoris number 23. From IDW, we have Adventures of Augusta Wind, number five. We have uh, Doctor Who, Prisoners of Time. Oh, sorry, that's a reprint of number one, uh, which was uh, very hard to find when it came out. So if anybody's looking for that, it's on shelves now. Uh, G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, number 188. Uh, Rise, number three. Uh, Joe Palooka, number, number Joe four. Palooka. Uh, Kiss, number eight. Uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, number four. Yay! Uh, the hardcover of Rocketeer Cargo of Doom is ah. out. Uh, Transformers. More than meets the eye? Yes. yes. Number 14. <laughs> back on target. Uh, Transformers Spotlight, Bumblebee, number one. Uh, True Blood, number 10. Uh, from Image, we have Bedlam, number five. Yeah. Black Acre, number four. Epic Kill, number nine. Glory, number 33. Great Pacific, number five. I Love Trouble, number four. Yes. Lost Vegas, Number one. Sweet. I believe that Sarah Bell had wrote and asked us if anybody had read it. I actually read our review copy, and you guys are not going to be disappointed in what you read. It's actually Lauren. Lauren. Oh, it's Lauren? Who wrote? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Lauren Collins, friend of the show, fellow Tor comic uh, yeah. patron. 
Lauren is the best. Uh, 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 Mara, uh, number three. Um, no Place Like Ooh. Home, volume one, trade paperback. Uh, Repossessed, number three of four. Savage Dragon, number 185. Uh, Sex, number one. Ooh. Uh, Snapshot, number two of four. Dang. Son of Merlin, number two. Witchblade, number 164. And Youngblood, number 77. Ugh, today's a killer. Um, I will say this. Uh, we've said bad things about Rob Liefeld in the past. Some merited. Uh, he's doing this really cool contest right now where you send in short stories to him, and he'll draw them and put them in issues of Youngblood uh, and one of the other series he's doing at Image right now, which is a pretty cool thing if you're a writer trying to get some some play. Um, <laughs> I could say something. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whether I don't, I don't. It's some. It's a very. It's a. It's a lot of exposure for somebody who's. Oh trying no! To break just in. the way you just said it, you could get some play. Oh it, yeah. Just, I think that's where. Uh, Marvel Comics. We have A plus X number five, uh, Age of Apocalypse number thirteen, Age of Ultron number one, uh, All New X Men number eight, yeah. uh, Avengers number seven. Yeah, uh, we have. We skipped a week, right? <laughs> we missed a week with oh, Avengers. Was last... there only one? Yeah, there was I don't last think week. There wasn't there. Last no. Week. no, no, <laughs> there was one last week. No. Wasn't there? Oh no, there wasn't. No, there's one. Two. That was the only week in the last two months. There yeah. wasn't an Avengers. <laughs> um, we have uh, Cable and X Force number five. We have um, Daredevil End of Days number six of eight. We have uh, Iron Man number seven. We've got uh, Powers Bureau number two, Red She Hulk number sixty three, yes. uh, Road to Oz number six of six. Yay. The Red She Hulk cover is ridiculously cool. Um, we have uh, Superior Spider Man number five. Yay! Um, we have Ultimate Comics: The Ultimates number twenty two, Venom number thirty two, Winter Soldier uh, number sixteen. Um, from Oni, we have Hellheim number one. Um, we've got uh, Valiant. We've got Shadow Man number five. And from Xenoscope, we have Fly, Volume 2, Number 5. Whoa. Hmm. All right. So that's it uh, for Talking Comics uh, for this week. If you want to get in touch with us, at Talking Comics on Twitter, info at TalkingComicBooks.com, uh, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and also, of course, TalkingComicBooks.com, where uh, we have reviews, articles, um, all great stuff from all our great contributors. Uh, definitely check that out if you like uh, this show. Um Remember, next week we have Matt Fraction on the show, so get your questions in to the so nervous. various places that <laughs> I that I said. Um, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve's. Mine is at dead underscore anchoress. Bob. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. And Stephanie. I'm Hello Cookie on Twitter. Very nice. So that is it for Talking Comics. Stay tuned afterwards, after the music, for our Batman Inc. discussion. But until then, for Steve... Go by Tomb Raider, it's awesome! And Bob... Good night. And Stephanie... Night! I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. All right, uh, we are back now. I hope all the people worried about spoilers have gone away because we're going to get full into it right now. Uh, so Batman Inc. Uh, number eight came out uh, this past week and obviously notable for the fact that Damian Wayne, the current Robin, is now dead. Um, 
it's a pretty crazy development, especially, you know, you've heard Steve and I talk multiple times about how much we love the character and uh, now he's got his uh, send off. Now um, we all have that kind of varying uh, times with, I guess the Batman Inc books. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure this might be the only Batman Inc Bob's read. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I've read everything Morrison's done, and Steve has read all of Batman Inc. Yep. Um. So, and I know Stephanie. I, I don't know if Stephanie just read eight today, or you caught you. Oh read no, all I of read them. all of them. You read all of the New Fifty Two, or all, all. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. So very very different. Uh. Go <laughs> goes here. Um. Mm. I mean, my thoughts on it have been pretty clear. I posted a uh, editorial kind of uh, eulogy uh, for Damien in a lot of ways, and. You know, I've been loving the Grant Morrison stuff, and I've been loving Batman Inc. And you know, I I wish that I hadn't known that he was going to die at the end of the issue, but uh, I found everything there to be very satisfying as compared to what all, everything he set up over all of these years. I felt that Damien dies trying to break the the, the cycle that his family has been going on it. You know, and Ouroboros isn't a big thing throughout uh, Batman Inc. and throughout uh, uh, Morrison's work, you know, the snake eating itself. And very much, I think, there's a lot to do with the Al Ghul family, you know, and and Damien is trying to break that cycle and he goes into a fight. He has no chance of winning to try to save his mother, you know, even though she's been nothing but horrible to him. So I found the end to be very satisfying. I loved getting to see, uh, as someone who read the the previous, before the New 52 Batman and Robin, getting to see uh, Dick Grayson and Damien have their last kind of team-up moment before everything went down. Um, so I, I found it to be extremely satisfying uh, and really met all my expectations as someone who's been reading this book for a very a long time. Bob, is only coming in reading this issue, it's very hard because it's a Morrison book, but... Yeah, well, I've read some of the Dick Grayson, Damien okay. befores. All Not right. a lot, but right. a couple just yeah. randomly. Yes, uh, and seen some Damien here with uh, Huntress. Oh, that's right. And you also you fun. read the annual that, I, the, yeah. when he, he was kind of, yeah, okay. Um, I found this very satisfying mm-hmm. in a very sad way. Yeah, yes. You know, that he throws himself into this battle that he knows is going to end badly mm-hmm. because it is the right thing to do yeah. is a nice leap for this character who didn't always do mm-hmm. the right thing. A- absolutely. Uh, I opened the book up to that, the, the page of Dick and Damien mm-hmm. together. Yeah. And it's just sort of very touching. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was ruined for me too. So yeah. reading that, then knowing ahead, mm-hmm. oh, this is yeah, this is one of the this is the wild bunch mm-hmm. in essence. Oh, we're gonna just get shot to crap any second, but let's go. Yeah, we're gonna do this. I mean, Damien takes a lot of abuse dying too. He gets like shot a bunch of times. Yeah. He got arrows. He gets stabbed. Uh, I, I I think it's funny though. Just in the precursor we talked about in the main show about DC and all their dour books. This book ends with a death, which is very sad, but it's probably the most fun book DC published probably all week, you know, yes. in comparison. So it's kind of crazy in that way. Um, I, I, I want to sandwich the compliments. So I'm going to let Stephanie uh, poop on it and then we'll go we'll go back to Steve. Spoilers. <laughs> For me to poop on. Um, this is comparably like this series one through eight is comparably worse or as worse bad it's fucking avx you're fucking crazy i'm sorry <laughs> i don't care if it's grant morrison it doesn't make it good no i know that i don't like action comics it's grant morrison Ugh, it's so bad like i don't even know where to begin it's just like it was so anticlimactic for his death this character that i, I admit that i didn't really love but i mean 
you would think that it would deserve more attention than what they gave it. The, they got more attention from the fact that they spoiled it online like a week early than they gave the actual death. It was seriously so, oh, well, I'm done with this book. Good thing I don't have to read this again. And it's sad because this hunk of poop completely changed the face of comics and is now going to be a memorable comic. And it's terrible and not worth people picking up. I've heard you use a lot of adjectives about how it's bad, and that's obviously your opinion, but why do you find it bad? I mean, you haven't said any, like, um, okay, reasons. Okay, to be fair, okay. The art switches up from book to book, um, so I don't it's really mostly, have It's mostly much... Chris Burnham throughout the whole thing. I think there was one issue that he doesn't do. Yeah, I think, like, Yannick Paquette picks up Oh, the that's, that's in the, the, the first run, the pre-52. Okay, uh, okay, yeah. okay. Yes. Um, maybe I read one of the wrong issues, but either way, it didn't matter because it didn't help anything. But I don't know. It just didn't feel, (sighs) I don't know. It just, it didn't feel like the right place for, um, the demise of Damien. To me, I recognize that it didn't. Scott Snyder didn't want to have a place in the death of the family because that was more of a metaphorical death than anything else, which is fine because I thought, well, we, you know what I thought. It was like last week. We had a long conversation about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But to me, it didn't have a place in Batman Incorporated. I don't think, I mean, people obviously are buying it because it's a Batman book and everybody buys Batman books, but well, not everybody, but anyways, whatever. It just, It felt like it was a death for the sake of a death. It didn't feel like something that was... I mean, it was sort of foreshadowed right off the bat that this is where it was going to go. But it just... I mean, because in the first issue, if you remember, they talk about Damien dying. Mm -hmm. Um, And... It just didn't come... I suppose this is the end of the arc. Is that how... Well, uh, this uh, Morrison is ending his Batman, his like seven-year Batman run uh, with issue 12 of this. Okay. So the last four issues kind of do the fallout to whatever happened here. But I mean, I-, I will counter you saying you don't feel like this is a place where Damien should have died. The fact that, I mean, Morrison created the character. Um, and so, I mean, obviously it comes off of the Son of the Demon stuff, but Damien wasn't a, a, a he wasn't Damien Wayne no. until, it, uh, you know, Morrison brought him into the into continuity. Um you know, you know the, the how a narrative plays itself out is obviously more important than the plan that went into making a narrative. I, I will always say that. But he, if you listen to Scott Snyder, even said like this had been the plan for a long time was for Damien to die here, and the fact that they intersected was completely, you know, with de- the end of Death of the Family was completely coincidental because there was long breaks between when this series was supposed to go. So. Um, I think it's the right place for Damien to meet his end. If anybody was going to make him meet his end, because it's the guy who brought him into the comic book world. But that's just well, me. I'm not arguing that Grant Morrison's not the person to do it. I'm arguing that this book wasn't the place to do it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm but, not pro Grant Morrison in this particular book because I just don't think it was great. Mm-hmm. But I'm also just thinking that... It, I don't know. It just didn't feel like... I'm fine. It's hard to find like exactly what I'm trying to say, but I just felt like something so prominent that's going to affect all the bat world, bat world. Anyways, (laughs) it shouldn't have been in this book that was kind of like 
the offshoot of the main Batman series. But, I thought uh, that. Uh, I- I, I get what you're saying, but that's like mm-hmm. that's your kind of perception of the book, yes. rather than the I think the actuality. But Bob, you're going to say but, something. Well, yeah, in the sense of we always talk about maybe too many events. If mm. you turn this into an ev- an event, would that be anticlimactic in a different way? Yeah, I don't need it to be an event, but I mean, yeah. sorry, no, Stephanie, no. we cut you off. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, 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 it's fine. Mm. Um, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people will be like, "What the fuck is she talking about?" Because I'm not really conveying myself very well. Um, but it just for me didn't do anything it was just a really uh I I didn't think the whole arc itself had a lot of substance to it and this just was a way to go out with a bang kind of thing okay Steve let's end let's end it up with you (laughs) um I mean I the first thing that I'll say is that I really do regret it having been spoiled for me ahead of time, I felt that there was no way to escape that. I know that there are a couple people maybe that managed to get out of that, but Mm -hmm. there was just, you know, there was so much media coverage of this going on and for it to have been not even leaked, but like, you know, grandstanded by the company releasing it really, really kind of took the wind out of my sails Mm -hmm. for it. Um, I love Damien. I do. I love Damien. He's my favorite Robin. Uh, I love kid characters, period. I love the idea of younger, either kids or young adults, being in the superhero universe. I think that they provide a very entertaining uh, perspective on superhero events. Mm -hmm. I just find their, their place in that world to be very unique. Um, So for that reason, and to be fair, I really have not as much as I love Batman. I have not had enough experience with prior Robins to really make any kind of call on that. Damien's pretty much been my Robin since I started reading. Um, But it, I, I disagree with Stephanie that I do feel that this is the right book and I do feel that this is the proper end because I mean Morrison's been working towards this for a long time and if you read the previous run of Incorporated and then you know issues one up to eight it was always leading to this Mm -hmm. it was going in this direction Um, I really did enjoy the stuff with Talia I felt that she became I mean, she's always been a great Batman villain, a great, you know, love interest and all of that. But I think that the sacrifice that she was willing to make to prove a point just put her so high up yeah. on the villain scale mm-hmm. that if people asked me about, like, great Batman villains, she'd be up there right now. Like, people yeah. are always, oh, you know, the Joker, mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Freeze, blah, blah. I would be like, the Joker... Talia al Ghul. Yeah. <laughs> like, why? Be like, you have any idea, like, what she... She basically used Damien, like, like bait on a hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he, you know, he turned turned his back on her. Mm-hmm. That's her child. Mm-hmm. And she she does. She kills him. Yeah. Um, But I wish that, for as much as I love the character, and for as much as I did enjoy... The run, um, and it was a pretty epic, and I mean, he gets it, and he gets it bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just wish that it hadn't been spoiled for me, mm-hmm. because I think that if I had not known if the cover didn't have it right 
there. Yeah, that's another problem. That he was, you know, R.I.P. With the, I mean, <laughs> I think that if I had picked this up and I like reading, like I read one through seven mm-hmm. all the way up to this, yeah. that I mean, the writing is on the wall the whole mm-hmm. time. Um, that if I had picked up this issue and I didn't know or people didn't know that I would have got, I would have been like on the, on the phone or not on the phone. Nobody goes on the phone anymore. (laughs) I would have texted Mm -hmm. like people I know, like, did you read this yet? Like, have you like, we got to get together for lunch and Mm -hmm. talk about this. And we, I didn't get to do that. Yeah. I didn't get to do, it was, I felt like I said to myself when I was driving to the comic shop, it was raining that day. And I said to myself in the car, it's like, I feel like I'm driving to a friend's funeral, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And that feeling was was very unique. I haven't had that feeling in comics yet since I started mm-hmm. religiously reading a little bit over maybe close to two years ago. Um, that it was it was sad, but it was sad in a way of that I felt cheated. And I felt that a lot of the shock and a lot of the the sadness that I would have felt that I feel like the book should have had that impact on me was stolen from me by the very company that put it on the shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Damien being gone, I'm really curious to see the fallout from it. Any issues like I know Detective coming out today has mm-hmm. something to do. I don't buy Detective. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly like it. But I'll buy it because I want to know how it's going to affect these other series. Mm-hmm. Um, I will miss Damien. I don't think he's coming back unless they throw him into the Lazarus pit, which would be really, really fucking lame. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you'll see him for at least a while. If they bring him back, he'll at least be gone for the same amount of time. I hope, as much like you, I love the character. One of my favorite characters going right now. Yeah. I hope they don't bring him back because as much as I want to read more stories about him, I love that he has an end. I love that there, there's this story about him. Right. You get all this, these great stories about him, and now it's over. You well, know, it's, but it's like, like I don't mean to draw. Like just today, um, I have two issues left to pick up when we get to the shop. Mm. That I will have all of the Grant Morrison, Batman and Robin, mm. the one through twenty six, yeah. that run. Mm. That there's still so much for me to go back on. Like mm. I feel like when I, st- whenever you start reading a character. That's where you know them from. So that's where you, that's like what you have to judge. Yeah. You know, and for me, this was a character that I was just falling in love with in the past couple of months. And now you took him away from me Mm -hmm. that I now have to work my way back to stories people already know Mm -hmm. that I have to get reacquainted. I have to acquaint myself with a character that I already know the end of them. Right. You know, so I have to go back knowing the whole time that it's leading up to this. Mm -hmm. Um, I did enjoy it. I did like it. I think it is a fitting end, but at the same time, the chief complaint that I have about it is that that shock and that what I what I could have felt for this end, I felt was stolen from me. So absolutely, in that way, I'm angry. I'm angry at the loss of the character. I'm angry at the company for promoting it like they did. Um, and yeah, I I I feel sad and cheated. But uh, I think that they had to promote it like that because people weren't reading Batman Incorporated. Not as many people, at least. It was definitely a ploy to get people onto the book and to buy the issues leading up to it and to get them prepared for the eighth issue. Yeah, absolutely. To I... me, that isn't the sign of a good... I mean, it either is a good story or it isn't. 
I, I mean, the company doing what they do isn't necessarily indicative of that, but it's, I mean, I don't think that a publicity like grab like that should, I don't know. It just didn't sit right with me. I'm, Again, I'm not really explaining myself really well, and I think maybe it's maybe just a personal thing for me then, sort of, because I can't really explain myself very well, but it's it just left a sour taste in my mouth. Like, meh. I liked Incorporated because it felt different. Mm-hmm. It felt different than the other Bat books that I'm reading. It was uh, definitely grittier. It was a lot more violent. And it, you know, it gave me a taste of something that felt like it. Like the fact that this is leaking out into the other Bat books, I was really surprised by that Mm -hmm. because Morrison's Incorporated has always felt like its own thing. Mm -hmm. Because now that you have the Damien death leaking out, now it seems like all the Incorporated stuff should be leaking out as well. All the participants of that and the death of other characters that died during this during this run. Right. I mean, but there's so many Batman books, like the stuff that happens in Dark Knight and stuff that happens in Detective, except for little singular things like the Joker face thing, do not leak into Snyder's Batman book very much. Right. But now this now this happened and then something happened with Red Hood uh, last issue that I wonder how that's going to play out. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's just all of a sudden these things are now a part of the bigger picture, like just like that. And it just it was it was odd. You know, not that I don't enjoy it because I do like, if anything, I love watching the aftermath. Mm. The aftermath to me is almost more interesting than the event itself. Gotcha. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, I think you're going to love the Batman and Robin stuff from pre-52. Well, I got it all now and I've been, I've been killing books. I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. Uh, Really quickly, just a little bit of the fallout. Obviously, the book it affects the most is Batman and Robin which for at least a while now is going to be a team-up book. It's going to be Batman and. Uh, so it's first is Batman and Red Robin, then it's Batman and Red Hood, then it's Batman and Batgirl, Batman and Catwoman, and then Batman and Nightwing. For, so at least we have five issues without and probably a new Robin coming into the fray. Huh. Um, so that's what's going to happen there. Um, and the 18s of all the Bat books are going to deal with this. They all have covers that are very emotional and, and what have you. Um, so, I mean, those that's what we think uh, of the story from very different perspectives, very different, um, you know, uh, acquaintances w- with the story that happened here and kind of opinions about it. And I think that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very big event and people are going to be divided about it. So let us know what you guys thought about it. Um, and uh, that's it for this very long episode of Talking Comics. We'll be back next week. <laughs>